This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Ladies and gentlemen. The show is about to start in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. He'll be fine on the mountain. It's time for Inside the Gamecock, the show. Built by the Barnumidium Company served by Chicken Cock Whiskey and part of the Chief Sports Network. Touchdown Carolina! Touchdown Ace Sanders! Pressure! Penny just dives in! All right, greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Sinorama Studios, the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics. Sinorama.com, located in West Columbia. Gamecock owned, Gamecock operated for all your signage needs. If you happen to make it this past weekend out to Founders Park, you found the great work that they do, including this brand new top of the dugouts. They look fantastic. Well done. Well done, Matt Vaughn and his team. At Sinorama, served by Chicken Cock Bourbon, of course, always, and built by the Barn Dominium Company. The Barn Doco is what they're called, the Barn Dominium Co.com. JC, JB, and Phil here until two. Sorry we're late. Uh, Sean Elliott had a press conference this morning alongside Shane Beamer, introdu- reintroducing himself to Gamecock Nation. Coming over now as the run game coordinator and tight ends coach to complete the staff. We will fully discuss that here. Hale McGranahan will join us at one o'clock today as well to recap. Uh, what he learned if any of you happen to miss that uh, we've got you covered we also have you covered with Gamecock baseball four o'clock first pitch today game four of the 2024 season at uh, Founders Park and new bracketology is out there's some information coming nationally in college football so the next two and a half hours will be pretty uh, jam packed I apologize for not being here uh, yesterday as uh, my family and I continue to to deal with some things and um, so that'll be a little bit touch and go moving forward for a while but uh, we will we'll certainly have you uh, we'll certainly be on the air one way or another whether my face is here or not glad to see you boys again as I've not seen you since uh, Friday when we were live from Founders Park for opening day what a day that was 
And uh, there is plenty going on right now in Gamecock country. Absolutely. Uh, nice press conference today. I, uh, I got up super early this morning and had a little, uh, just breakfast, lunch, whatever you want to call it. And sat down to, uh, on the recliner to watch it and fell asleep. <laughs> so I'm just kind of waking up, but, uh, caught the gist of it. Um, you know, the, the thing I can say about Sean Elliott is he's very excited and enthusiastic about being back. I think he's pretty enthusiastic about just about everything he tackles in life. Um, you know, just listening to the whole situation and, and as someone that at times has to be away from his family for work purposes, I get it. Um, I, I think it's a little bit easier when you have such a passion for South Carolina, like he does. I mean, because it's not like you're, you're just kind of going and going back home and, and taking a job at the local YMCA or whatever. You're, you're going back to a school you love, a place you love, a, a place that, um, a place that you uh, made better the first time you were here. Uh, and I think that, um, you know, beyond the, the, the personal admiration for coach Elliott and the, the happiness as a, as a human being, I feel for him. Uh, I think he's going to make it better this time. It's kind of, um, yeah. I don't want to say a missing piece. I, I have a lot of confidence. Dowell Loggins was going to have a fantastic run game this year. Uh, but I also know that, that Sean Elliott's run game is <laughs> got merged with one of the greatest passing attacks in the history of college football schematically. And it was a difference maker then. And I've looked at what they've done since they've been at Georgia state statistically and, and many, no, not a whole lot of schools have slowed teams have slowed them down no matter what level they're on. Uh, I always talk about South Carolina being a special preparation. I think his run game is that especially when you have a dual threat quarterback, but even when you don't Dylan Thompson, wasn't that great of a runner, but Carolina ran up and down the field when he was the quarterback. So, uh, I have a, uh, a lot of football reasons why this fires me up as well in terms of the attack on offense next year and the personnel that they're going to marry to it. Yeah. So Phil, I, you know, I took a lot out of that 30 minutes that he spent speaking with the media there. And, uh, but you know, look, most importantly, it's really more of the same with him. Nothing has, has changed with Sean Elliott and probably never will. It's, it's, he's a passionate dude and he speaks with passion, uh, for pretty much any question that you, that you ask him. I, I some of the, some of the things that of course stood out, I mean, one of them, you know, driving all the way here from Atlanta for, cheerleading events in which his daughter maybe only performed for under five minutes and then he would literally get right back in the truck and drive back to Atlanta um you know and then something else too and, and this is we'll, we'll get to the to the x's and o's angles and 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 those type things the coaching stuff a little bit later but Carolina never left him and 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 never will I mean he as he as he pointed out he grew up going to ball games in Williams Bryce Stadium, as many of us have, and and that's always unique to be able to understand this program from the perspective of the people that pay money to watch it, and um, and I think that's a good thing if, if if you're a good coach. If you're not a good coach, it doesn't really matter. People want to see a winner. He is a good coach, and um, you know, Phil, I think it comes back to something 
we saw Coach Spurrier in town this weekend. He was watching Don's team play on Sunday. I'm not sure what what other reason he came up for. He's he is in Columbia more often than people think that he is. He's got a bunch of friends and and stuff up there. He always wants to to go see. But he built something here that is really unique. Now it hasn't necessarily translated to all the wins that people would like to see, of course. But he, but but I mean, can you can any of you anybody out there honestly say that? prior to coach Spurrier coming that there was a true family feel in that building like a bunch of people that just were wanted to be at South Carolina no matter what I mean is there a coach who has come back from any previous staff prior to Steve Spurrier is there a is there a bunch of coaches from any era before coach Spurrier got here that just glowingly walk around and tell you how much they love the University of South Carolina because I, I I can't really name anybody now there's been good guys that have come here and there's guys who will always appreciate their time here but there are very few uh if any prior to coach Spurrier building what he built here and and he created like coach Beamer talks about the culture and things like that obviously it's something that's very important to him we know that he's not lying when he says it but it really all started under Steve Spurrier. I mean, he brought hope to a fan base that created expectations, and now people get all pissed off about everything. I mean, shoot, the other day I saw some people making comments about Coach Spurrier, Quitter, and this, that, and the other. Well, you wouldn't have any expectations here if it wasn't for that guy. And so, you know, when you see Sean, uh, Sean Elliott return and say a lot of the things that were very similar to what Coach Spurrier said, that, that as a fan base, they feel what you feel. Now, can they win? We can talk about that all day. I hope they do. But they feel what you feel, and I'm not so sure that it was ever the case before Steve Spurrier walked in that door in November of 20 or 2004, Phil. No, I, I think that the Spurrier era, one of the hallmarks of it, besides just being you know the most successful run on the field, um, th- that kind of gets – swept aside because it wasn't that big a buzzword back in the day is culture. I mean, you can tell like the guys that were around that program at the time existed and functioned in a very high culture setting with Steve Spurrier there. Um, And since it wasn't, you know, what you built a program on, it was more kind of just what was going on in the background it wasn't quite so pushed to the forefront as this, there's a good culture in this room, you know, the, and all of this. And, and there's always going to be outliers who are going to push back and be like, well, it wasn't that good, but you know, I mean, to each their own. Um, But yeah, to see this come back and you can tell that coach Elliot, you know, his heart always has belonged here and, and he is where he feels most comfortable and back with his family. And, and, you know, I, I, I think, you know, as we turn the page now to this Beamer era that is existing, you know, post these, you know, expectations that were created with Steve Spurrier that um, the moves he's made in the offseason here to increase the experience that he has at all levels on his staff. And then this really is like the coup de grace just to get, I mean, a, a sitting head coach to come back home um even if he was already primed to do so is just you know i mean a total winning 
on Coach Beaver's part. Yeah, there's no. I mean, Clint just said something. I was about to bring up not that exact thing, Clint, but but you're on right where I was going with this. You know, painting Williams Bryce, having former player names, records, and things like that was probably a bigger deal than people maybe thought. I mean, and and it really was. I remember when Coach Spurrier walked in and said, "Man, this place is pretty plain." I mean, I know he hadn't won a bunch of championships around here, but my God, there's been some good players. I mean, there's been some good things that have happened. We need to. We need to recognize what we've got, and and of course, since then you've been able to add on to all of that. A lot of those records, most all of them, actually were broken once it, once he got here. But JC, I mean you, I mean you, we're talking about Beamer and Elliot. I mean, think about before God rest his soul, but before Brad Lawing passed, Gamecock for life. I mean, even though he went to Florida State and he coached, he just adored this place. There's a reason he came back and lived in Columbia. Coach Mangus, who we talk to often around here, Gamecock for life. Coach Spurrier, of course. You know, and 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 Junior and and Scotty and all those guys. You know, they 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 created a real culture. Now, again, like I I don't think culture equates to wins. I've never thought that. I think you have to have it in order to win the large majority of the time. But I don't think just because you have a good culture, they're going to win football games. I've never really believed in that. Um, but with that said, too, I mean, think about now all the players that hang around the program. And I'll ask you this specific, JC. You're you're a, you. you, you I remember everything too, but somehow, some way you remember literally everything. If you go back 20 years, if you go back 20 years, do you remember when, when coach Spurrier was hired here? Does anybody remember what one of the biggest issues was off the field that they heard from pl- former players about? Everybody remember what that was? You remember what it was, don't you? Yeah, they weren't welcome. We we didn't feel welcome. Yeah, we didn't feel welcome. And now look where we are in 2024, right? Well, they sure feel welcome because they're all asking for jobs. They just stop by the facility all the time. I mean, I'm telling you, like, you think Shane Beamer's hired a bunch of dudes who used to play here? You have no idea. He could have hired 100 if he wanted to. I promise you, they were all knocking on his door. And y'all both know that because we've talked about it behind the scenes, emitting names from this conversation publicly. Well, okay. And, and, well, there's more for, because of the Spurrier, like you mentioned, there's more guys that are former Gamecocks that are qualified to coach. I mean, you know, you, no. there is a, they used to not, there's like, there used to not exactly. be a whole lot of, <laughs> used to not be yeah. a whole lot of guys, you know? No. I um, mean, this out is there. It, it's really unique. Now, look again. Somebody would hear that will hear me, and they're like, "Great, are they winning games?" I get. I'm with you. I I understand that. You gotta win games. Can't all just be a bunch of nice dudes, and we sure do love it around here. Yeah, but you're not very good. Well, so what? Don't don't yeah, you like you, that doesn't matter. Yeah. But you gotta win games. I get it. But it is very unique when you hear Sean Elliott speak because JC. Uh, sorry, leaving the floor to you here. No. Over the last twenty years. There's been a lot of people like Sean Elliott come through this program, and it's just neat to see it again. Well, the last 20 years are the best years. I mean, th- this century has been uh, – and people don't understand how bad it was, you know. Right. How, right. like, beating Clemson was like winning a Super Bowl, winning a bowl game, which only happened once before the turn of the century. There was a commemorative video and and rings and and, and, and statues and things like that. Uh, and it wasn't that the it wasn't that Carolina was not competitive. Carolina kind of broke onto the scene, kind of in the '60s under Paul Dietzel. They had some issues with the ACC. Uh, the ACC was like a mini um, NCAA at the time, or Third Reich. 
if you want to compare it to that, uh, or Bolshevik, or, or uh, the North, whatever the North Korean government's called right now. I mean, they they really did some unfair things to South Carolina, uh, making up bullsh crap academic rules and selectively enforcing. And the, the the conference could put you on probation back then. Uh, they did the same thing to Clemson in the eighties. The ACC tacked two more years on the Clemson's NCAA probation, but. You know, they, they were a bunch of jerks, and that kind of stalled some things when Dietzel was here. And then Jim Carlin came along and, you know, started building it. And, I mean, Dietzel, Dietzel's the one that came up with the fight song and all that. And Dietzel had some credibility because he'd won a national championship. And so then, um, you know, here comes a guy named George Rogers. And that put Carolina on the map. You know, Carolina sitting in Athens, Georgia, with Keith Jackson calling a game in November about to go in and beat the dogs and Herschel Walker, who won the national championship. There's a fumble. It didn't happen, but Carolina sort of arrived. And Joe Morrison gets here and has the best season in school history. And also did a lot of Spurrier esque things. Like he's the one that started 2001 in 83. Right. He's the one that busted yep. out the black jerseys. That type of stuff matters because it gives you identity. And this program sort of wandering through the wilderness and people know well, people people offer that. Well, why do you why do you only care about beating Clemson and uh and, and going to a bowl? Why are your standards like that? It's because there was so much transition back and forth, politics, the ACC affiliation, you name it. There was nothing really to latch on to because anytime you have constant turnover, there's nothing to latch on to. You know, mm -hmm. like, like Billy Cotton here, he's, he's a victim of that. He's mentally a victim of that because right. he just mentioned Richard Bell in right. the middle of yeah. all this. Well, why? Well, because you're accustomed to doing it. Cause you're a, you're a, uh, you're a mental slave to how this program used to be. So I'm saying all that to say how bad it was. Right. right. Brad Scott comes along. I mean, Joe Morrison tragically dies. That's a big WTF. Uh, the coaching search to get Sparky Woods was a fiasco. Although Sparky did a really good, I thought Sparky actually did a better job than Brad Brad Scott, and that's where Brad Lawing comes into play. That's where Rich by soccer by soccer came into play. Those are the two guys, the two assistants I can think of before the turn of the century that absolutely love South Carolina, Gamecocks for life, right? Um, so Mike McGee, to his credit, taught Lou Holtz into coming back. Lou Holtz is sort of a magician when it comes to injecting life into places. Doesn't always turn out that way at the end, uh, but. Uh, I give him a lot of credit because he sort of set the table, you know, because Steve Spurrier understands things. Steve Spurrier understood, well, well, shoot, in 2000, had they beaten us at the Swamp, they were going to the Dome. Right. They were going to play for the championship. That place yeah. has a chance. And then he came in, like you said, and really helped make up for a lot of Mike McGee's screw-ups with facilities and paint and stuff like that. Man, you guys that weren't around back then, the place, the place, you couldn't even tell the Gamecocks played there unless you looked at the scoreboard. And it mm -hmm. usually, and the Hardy's logo was usually bigger than the Gamecocks. So uh, he did a ton. And, and, and then look at all the players he had and look at all the players from that era, fellas, and I know we're out of time that are now in college coaching, that are now out there doing big things. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, and, and it's not that the other guys weren't, but, the program was just so transient and all, you know, South Carolina got 10 and a half years out of Steve Spurrier. Uh, and it led to the current Beamer tenure and all that. And I, and I think Muschamp did a really good job with those things too. So yeah, the last 20 years, 
it's been the golden era. And, and guess what? It doesn't, doesn't guarantee they're going to win another game. But without those things, your chances of winning are a lot less. That's what I'm going to say. Well, the, 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 there, quite frankly, were no standards in South Carolina. There weren't. Coach Oates came in and, and did recreate a lot of that uh, in getting things turned around, and he deserves as much credit as anybody can deserve because you, you're taking over a 1-10 in 10 football team in the SEC with, with everything you've done in your career. Why, Lou? You don't need that, but he and did. Then, and, you know, and then it, it helped get to where – Coach Spurrier took this thing and created expectations. That's where a lot of the hostility comes from today. When you hear yeah. fans and they're going crazy, a lot of them didn't even jump on board until 2005 when yeah. Steve Spurrier got here. It wasn't cool to be a Gamecock fan outside of the state of South Carolina. I, you, we all know that. There weren't a bunch of dudes from Pennsylvania that couldn't wait to come to school at the University of South Carolina or Maryland or Delaware or wherever they were com- they've been coming from. It wasn't cool. But it's if cool they, now. If they did, it was because it was close to Dirty Myrtle or Charleston. Right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, There's only an hour from the beach. Let's go. But yeah. no, uh, I'm with you, man. Yeah, Spurrier deserves a lot. Uh, and, 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 you know, Holtz did. Holtz got it kind of jump start. He kind of was the jumper cables. And, you know, Spurrier was the new battery that kept it going for a while. And that's why we have, you know, people that, that, that from that era that, that love it and that believe in the place and probably most importantly have tangible proof. Uh, attached to their names that it can be done. So Shane Beamer and Sean Elliott both have that proof attached to them uh, from that era. So we'll see what they do. They feel the fan base. Sean was asked today, what do you remember the most about this place? He said, the fans. What an answer. Sean Elliott, welcome back, my man, to Gamecock football. All right, he's, uh, he's, he's one of them. He, yeah, that's why he, he's one of them. He's, a, he's been a fan his whole life. So... We have Hale McGranahan, who was at the press conference, of course. Today at uh, 1 o'clock, Gamecock Baseball is on the field at 4, and Carolina basketball is off until Saturday, but plenty to get to in the bracketology discussion. Quick final note here to wrap up Hour 1. 1 o'clock, SEC Network, March 2nd for South Carolina and Florida is no more. ESPN has selected this game and moved it to a noon tip at Colonial Life Arena. March 2nd, the Florida Gators, Colonial Life Arena. That is a noon tip now on ESPN. Gamecock Baseball versus Clemson at Segra Park that afternoon is now is at 4 p.m. Plenty of time to get from the CLA to downtown Columbia at uh, Segra Park. We'll continue to remind you. Don't worry. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Gamecock Traditions, South Carolina's elite retailer for anything Gamecock-related. The best selection for basketball, baseball, football, tailgating, kids' stuff, and everything else. If it's got the Gamecock logo, it's got to be at Gamecock Traditions. Most importantly, they ship it to your doorstep. Order online at GamecockTraditions.com, where there's always a sale. Gamecock Traditions, GamecockTraditions.com. A tradition unlike the others. South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. 
If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured. They provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998. Or you can go to Elite Roofing ga.com schedule a no hassle free inspection today wind damage hail damage or just wear and tear don't settle for second best let jeremy johnson and elite roofing and restoration take care of it all for you today nana's porch nana's porch.com at nana's porch they cater weddings parties and all kinds of special events their meals are served buffet style in seconds they're encouraged Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nanasporch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. MTV's official Challenge Podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams, or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. It's the season of love, and there's no sweeter time and place to feel it than today at Love Chevrolet, the heart-pounding rumble of the Silverado High Country, the captivating 2024 Chevy Trax SUV, most affordable in its class. No matter what features you're looking for in a brand new Chevy, your match is waiting for you right now at Love Chevy. In this 63rd season of love, your trusted hometown Chevy dealer is proud to carry on the tradition of honesty, integrity, and treating customers like family. No fast talk, no gimmicks, no ridiculous add-on stickers. Simply the best selection of new Chevys at South Carolina's number one volume Chevy dealer right now and ready to drive home today. Don't forget about the $1,000 low price guarantee. Wow. 
There's a lot to love about Love Chevy. I-26 at Harbison and at lovechevy.com. Together, let's drive. That's the power of love. Love Chevy. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey Gamecock Nation, my name is Kyle, longtime listener of the show and avid golfer. I wanted to take my game to the next level, but let's face it, golf is a hard game to learn on your own. I heard the ad from McKellar Enterprises and reached out to the owner and former Gamecock golfer, Meredith Taylor. In just two months of working with Meredith, I shot my lowest round ever, and I've never felt more confident in my golf game. So if you're looking to take your game to the next level, go to McKellarEnterprises.org and book your lesson today with former Gamecock golfer, Meredith Taylor. Go Gamecocks. That always sounds good. There's no doubt about that. So does the anthem, Mad Dog, as he sent me a uh, message during the break there. Nothing like the national anthem and baseball. The national anthem presented every day on our program by Billy G's Carolina Barbecue. And beginning today at Founders Park, you will find Billy G's Carolina Barbecue every game for the rest of the season. They are the now official barbecue Er, barbecue er, <laughs> they're, they're the official barbecue of uh of Gamecock baseball nice. at Founders Park. So make sure you stop by and grab yourself a big porker or a big Tex. It's going to be beautiful outside when they throw the first pitch at four o'clock uh, later on this afternoon. A barbecue box or the Mac Attack, smoked mac and cheese topped with brisket or pulled pork, 
and some sweet heat sauce. Oh, my goodness. That, that sounds good. Billy G's CarolinaBarbecue.com to order your catering needs. Anything you need catering-wise, that's where you'll go. CarolinaBarbecueSauce.com to have that sweet heat, the Carolina Gold, and the Secret Spice Rub delivered to your doorstep so you don't ruin dinner anymore. CarolinaBarbecueSauce.com. Billy G's CarolinaBarbecue.com. Four o'clock today uh, is uh, when the uh, Gamecocks will get back onto the field against Winthrop and then tomorrow they've got Queens at four o'clock as well the uh, games will be on the radio Derek Scott and uh, Stuart Lake will have it today Cade Crenshaw and Stuart Lake will have it tomorrow and then the SEC Network Plus will have the have the game as well on TV uh, with both uh, Dave Weinstein and Kip Baltonite on the call uh, Eddie Copper is going to get the ball today the freshman righty for South Carolina, and Matthew Becker will get it tomorrow against Queens as well. These are two guys who really have had a lot of conversations surrounding them coming out of uh, preseason practice. Copper really has thrown it well. I know he'd probably like to have a couple of pitches back last weekend, but, guys, he's really thrown it well uh, leading into the season. And Matthew Becker, if they want to get where they're going, they got to have Matthew Becker. There's no doubt about that, and he is very, very capable. So excited for him and his family as they get ready to go tomorrow for his first start of the season. And we'll see, um, we'll see where he goes from there. We, we will continue to talk about Sean Elliott today. We'll come back to that here in just a little bit. And then again, Hale McGranahan joining us at 1 o'clock. Hale was in the press conference today with Coach Elliott and Coach Beamer as they introduced him now that he is returning to South Carolina. Uh, we also uh, mentioned before we went to break that the Florida basketball game now on Saturday, March the 2nd will tip at noon on ESPN as opposed to that one o'clock tip. So those of you planning to to go make that adjustment, Carolina baseball versus Clemson will be at four o'clock that afternoon at Sager Park. We've got some bracketology to get into because I, since I wasn't here yesterday, uh, you know, with, with uh, some family stuff going on with us, um, I want to make sure that I get to go back if, if you'll just oblige me a couple of minutes here uh, to Friday because, you know, <clears throat> I've, I've spent plenty of time in the press box and upstairs and all those type things um, at uh, at Founders Park but since, I don't know, for 15 years. But um, I first and foremost, I want to thank all of our fans in the audience and everybody who tuned in for our opening day coverage. We really do appreciate that. Uh, it, uh, it meant a lot and gotten Phil and I walking around. Phil's very, Phil's a very popular guy, JC. Uh, nobody, nobody noticed me, but they all noticed mad dog. Uh, he was signing autographs. I think one lady kind of pulled her shirt down a little bit and he, and he signed that, uh, he signed someone's bald head. Um, he, he was, he was very popular dude. And so we really appreciate all of that. But, um, but most importantly, we really appreciate the university of South Carolina and, um, and coach Tanner and Kent Reichert. And Coach Kingston and all of, all those that uh, made this possible and uh, allowed us to be in there for four, actually <laughs> nine hours, but on the air for four. Um, we just couldn't have been treated any better. Can't thank Salsaritas enough and D's Wings for supplying a bunch of food in the press box. Uh, everything was eaten, which, I mean, and it wasn't just because people were hungry. It's because it's fantastic. I was going to try to sneak some out of there and take it home, and it was gone. Um, the, the, the anything wings, left. <laughs> yeah. there was nothing left. Yeah. Uh, Phil will tell you, I kept, we, we had the, 
the radio booth kind of to ourselves there um, with some of the camera crew and just kind of sitting up there watching the game. And and um, kept, I kept kind of easing back to try to get some snacks here and there. And every time I went back, there was more missing. So I'd try to, you know, take a little more to myself. But so I can't thank D's Wings and Salseritas enough for all that. And um, it was just a pleasure to see everybody and and really appreciate Monty and all those guys for, for popping up there and, and getting on. It was a great day for baseball. And, um, and then also, you know, get, got to, got to see some dudes. I, I met, I met JC, I met Clark Cox for the first time. Uh, Clark is the director of, you know, facilities and turf management at the university of South Carolina. And I would challenge literally anybody. Now I haven't been to all of them, so I can't back this up, but I challenge you go around to some other ballparks and go around to some other football stadiums out there and try to find some better turf than what they've got at Williams Price. And uh, what they've got at Founders Park, because I hadn't seen it. Um, he he's been around for a long time, and uh, and we caught up with him for a little bit. Could not have been kinder. South Carolina had just has somebody excellent who oversees all this stuff, and it's great. It's neat to see that the you know the person matches the product, if that makes any sense. So it was really neat to see them and Coach Fink and and everybody up there. And um, thanks to South Carolina for making that possible. We had a great time. If any of them are watching or listening today, I know some of you are from time to time. We really, really, really appreciate it here uh, on the Chief Sports Network. Yeah, yeah, we could could not be more grateful to the university for allowing us to to do that on Friday. Uh, it, it really was a a, a special, you know, celebration uh, of Gamecock baseball, which is uh, baseball. I know is a sport that's near and dear to all our hearts. We love all the athletics around South Carolina. Don't get us wrong, but. Uh, I know all three of us played baseball up until a certain point, JB making it a little longer than the other two, but, uh, but yeah, it, it was a, a, a wonderful time. Uh, couldn't have asked for a, a better setup and just, uh, you know, flattered that, that we were allowed to, to be out there. Yeah, I, I was too. And as far as baseball goes, and I'm sure y'all hit on something yesterday. I, you know, I, I like, I like this group. I really like them. I really, really like them. Uh, and if this makes any sense to anybody, I saw all the things that that you want to go wrong on opening weekend that went wrong. <laughs> I saw that's the good stuff. Um, being a hair off here and there, you know, just missing a couple of pitches, trying to adjust from ninety to eighty four. Um, you know, a couple of ground balls. You want to kind of come up and get them. Don't don't sit back and let it hop on you. Come come get the big one. Don't you know? Or come get the short one if you can. Uh, don't let it eat you up. Uh, you know, pitchers kind of nibbling a little bit, trying to feel out some off speed, figure stuff out. That that's great to see on opening weekend. Are they good or not? I mean, you you, you know, if you have a if you have a trained eye for for baseball, and I don't mean that you know, anything more than I've just seen it a bunch. Um, you could tell that they've got a really good baseball team and, um, and they've got some options and they've got some players. And so I'm really excited for this group and I look forward to seeing them play really well. You know, there's probably going to be some nights here and there where you're scratching your head going, golly, they got beat by who? And, and are they any good? That's, I mean, Florida got beat by St. John's this weekend, first game of the year. So you know, these things are going to happen. It just is what it is. I'll say this, guys, and JC, I mentioned this to you the other night. If Garrett Ganey 
is able to control that fastball from the left side. And Chris Veach is able to be Chris Veach. And Carolina's up getting into the seventh inning, and those two guys are available. Yeah, they're not losing. Uh, left, left-handers who throw 95, 90, and that was on the first day of the year. Yeah. So if you are two, three weeks down the road and you're humping 96, 97, you're throwing strikes, and then they go to the righty and he brings a 77-mile-an-hour changeup into the game, you're not hitting that. You can't hit it. Nobody can hit it. Babe Ruth couldn't hit it. So um, it's they, they've got some answers. The next two to three weeks, they'll figure it out. They'll, they'll, they'll begin to figure out who they are and, and what roles are going to be what. And uh, we're excited to see where they go from there. But uh, really, again, a, a great opening weekend. Hopefully they can keep that going today. Yeah, I thought uh, very encouraging what, what you saw to tie good out of the bullpen. Roman Kimball making a, a start late. Yeah. I thought um, SQ settled in nicely. Yep. Uh, good stuff. You know, on, on, on Saturday, I think uh, – you know, they got a lot of options right now. I mean, you, you know, last year they had a lot of options too early, and then everybody started going down like – you know, it started going down and then, you know, you ended up having a bunch of injuries and things like that. But, uh, I think, I think this year's encouraging, you know, it may not, it's not the, it's not a hype staff. It's not a staff that had a lot of hype, but, uh, if they can stay healthy, it could be a deeper staff when all is said and done the last year. But like you pointed out, JB in baseball, you're going to try, you're going to find yourself. It's much better to find yourself if you're 22 and one. Then if you're like Clemson, like what was Clemson last year, 14 and 10? But, mm-hmm. you know, guess what? Hot. Yeah, guess what? Clemson ended up as a sixth seed in the country because they figured about, they figured it out. It, it's a figured-out sport, and I think, you know, obviously it's, it's good. It's better to win while you're doing it, but every team in the country is doing it right now. Uh, encouraged by the fact that, uh, and I mentioned this yesterday, two home runs both by Petri, but Carolina put, what, uh, the 25 runs up? Or 30, 30, 30 total in 25 of the last two days. Uh, Dylan Brewer is hitting it. Seems like he's seeing it well. That matches what we were told. Um, Causey uh, looks like he's going to end up being possibly one of the great steals in the history of recruiting. I mean, kid wasn't even playing baseball last year. <laughs> you go drag him out. It's like, it's almost like Major League. He would have ended up on that Indians team. <laughs> this guy is, this, this guy's not even. He's, he's not even playing anymore. Ah, go call him out of physics class. See if he wants to come play with the Gamecocks. But, uh, I mean, man, what a story, though. I mean, he, he's an in-state kid and, and uh, certainly looks good. Um, so we'll see what happens. I, I, I'm, uh, I, I'm encouraged. Um, and I almost like it that it's not like, like last year, guys, everybody's thirsty for runs, right? We're all like, oh, they can score. And they're beating teams 20 to 1, 19 to 1, 22 to something. They're just knocking the cover off the ball. And we're all happy. I'm almost glad it's not like that. Because just that would that would scare me. Not not, not, not that they're gonna run out of runs crap. I, t- I talk all the time. I, I like that this is a little different, you know. I like it's a little different. And because there's every team in, in every sport, baseball especially, has different things to work on. And, and that's what you do in the preseason. So uh very encouraged. Uh, Winthrop obviously is not off to a great start after getting swept by Rutgers badly. Yeah. Um, at home, uh, however, 
However, it's baseball. They, they could easily come in and win tonight. It'd be unfortunate, but they could come in and win. So what you want is for a good start from these guys. Um, uh, just Copper, yeah, Copper had an outstanding whatever. I mean, that's why he's the first pitcher out there. So getting him right back out, getting his confidence going, I think is important. Then you got Queens College or Queens University, I'm sorry, coming in the next one. And then um, a team that's – a school that's usually pretty good at basketball, Belmont. I don't know how they are in baseball, but they're coming in for three this weekend. So, yeah, you know, they, they march yeah. on. The Gamecocks march on. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm not uh, – you know, Causey's um, got some things he's got to get corrected, but um, but he's got he's got some – He's got potential to be pretty good. Uh, there, there's no doubt about that. We'll see what's going on with Gavin Casas down the road. Um, you know, probably get, he's got some things he's got to get fixed too. They did walk 33 times this weekend, which says a lot about them offensively and how they're not willing to expand the zone. Um, also says a lot about Miami of Ohio and the fact that they just couldn't throw strikes at times. That's that's going to balance itself out. But um, you know, 18 strikeouts, I would say, is. Probably, uh, probably a, a fairly good number. Uh, that's six per game, and that's about where you want to be if you can. But um, you know, they'll they'll hopefully continue to have good numbers there. I, I again, they've they've got a lot of they got they have a lot of options, and they're good ones. And you don't know anything about your baseball team generally as far as what it may look like at the end of the year until two, three, four weeks into the season. You you don't you don't know opening day. And you don't know opening weekend. You have an idea. You have an idea of players, but overall, collectively, you don't know. Um, you know, you, you don't know. And I see Craig said the intensity isn't sustainable with Ganey. I disagree hundred percent with that. Yes, it absolutely is. But well, uh, well, some, well, some, some guys are just built like that. And you can't point it out. Little pointed out the other day, he's just a one inning, one inning a game guy, basically. Yeah. Essentially, yeah, 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 he's gonna, yeah, you know, that's what you bring him. You remember that one inning, right? You're, you're gonna have to yeah, it would be it, it's circumstance to get him to come in and then sit, you know, after recording an out or two, and then you'll bring him back maybe for another inning. Um, more than likely, those are going to be moments where it's not a high leverage, high pressure situation, at least initially. Yeah, and then down the road they might be able to do that. But he's a guy that you're you're going to want to you want him to come in and be him, and and that's exactly what he wants. Well, and I, and I, think, I, was, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Phil, you and I sat there and watched. Remember the kid that fouled off what six straight pitches? Yeah, I was um, like, man, he's got like nine into this damn at bat, and yep, uh, you know, but, still wound up. So, so what was neat about that was that that AB, um, that AB for that kid, first of all, unbelievable at bat. I mean, he battled, right? And everything's yeah. coming at him 93 to 96. And he's battling, he's battling, he's battling. He's trying to get it timed up. And But you know what Ganey did? Ganey didn't go away from what he knew he was good at. Yeah. And there's uh, JC's back in his room with the piano now. Um, and now he's in a brick cellar. I don't know. Um, to, I'm yeah. trying to fix this. <laughs> Standing on the street corner down there. <laughs> yeah. So, he, but he kept coming right at him. And there's two things there. First, it's the first game of the year. So it's like, just just go right after him. Go right after him. Number two, though, they trusted that fastball to be able to come right at him. And he was literally just trying to throw it right down the middle. If you can hit it, hit it, big dog. And and that kid could foul it off. 
what you don't want to do is throw a change up there and just speed his bat up and all of a sudden the guy hits a three-run homer and you got a one-run game, right? So, I mean, he really trusted the fact that he was throwing hard and he trusted what he was doing with it. I, I, he's an impressive – he's impressive. Uh, and he's got a chance to be really good. And, and J.C., you pointed out Kimball, and I uh, spoke with him a little bit last week. He was he was fired up and ready to go. Um, he's got stuff. And in about a month after he gets through four starts – I think we'll begin to realize how valuable Roman Kimball can be to this this program. What a what a talent! Well, I was having that yesterday. Talk about intensity when we get into conference play, and and you could have you know Kimball up there for six or seven, Ganey, and then Veach to, to finish this thing off. Yeah, eleven. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's 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 pitching at eleven, you know, on a Saturday night or whatever, but. Uh, good quality outing for him. Um, yeah, you know it had to make him feel great getting it. I mean, what he had, what six Ks, I think, no walks, uh, no hits. Um, yeah, I mean, just you can't draw it up any better for coming off of you know Tommy John like he is. My goodness. Yeah, I think he had five, but to your point, it, it didn't five, matter. Yeah, yeah. It's five out of six. Yeah. So, like, if you when you you have a pitch in six hundred days in a game. And you come back and you get you get swing and miss stuff in your first two innings like that. That's a that is a confidence builder. Um, by the time they get to Clemson, you know we'll, where will he be? Will he be at four, five innings? Yeah, I don't know where he'll be. Uh, but um, yeah, it's like you you just hit the nail on the head. They they they've got guys, they've got talent, and it's just getting it figured out. I agree with WJM here. Um, I know Tal had a had a tough time at third, and that's kind of what I mentioned earlier. You know, um, you, those are things that as time goes on, you get it cleaned up. I know he's been a little boogered up with some some injuries, but um, they they do have to get that cleaned up. You can't have. To, I mean, of course, LSU won the national championship was probably the worst third baseman in college baseball, Tommy White. But um, but but Tommy Lee was- wasn't hitting thirty home runs either. So they're gonna figure that out, and uh, I'm confident they will. Well, yeah, I guess it was uh, maybe you that pointed it out. Somebody that knows what they're talking about, and not not one of my other buddies uh, in baseball. Uh, that you can't really have a terrible third baseman and win in the SEC. Uh, I don't know that Lee Croy's terrible, but if he trends in the wrong direction uh, a little bit more, he's going to get in that terrible range. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he needs to at least get to average or, or yeah. above average. Or um, the kid from Florida State, did he play this past weekend or, or not yet? No, he, he hasn't been cleared. Had been cleared yeah. yet. So if he gets cleared, that could be an answer. He's a you know more of a defensive answer there, I would guess. But uh, I don't want to see that happen because I like Talmadge Lee Croy. Lee Croy is a hell of a baseball name in this state to start with. Yeah, number sure. two, he had some keys. Had some key hits the last few years. I, I like the guy, you know, but you. You can't have bad third base play. You got to at least be average. So you got to be average. There will, uh, they'll certainly, uh, th- they're certainly working on it. There's no doubt. We'll see what he looks like out there today. And um, they, they they need Tal to win. Uh, good question there, by the way, from Bird Toffley. How likely is it the talkie kid is projected to go top 10 in the draft on campus? I'm assuming you're talking about PJ Morlando from Somerville. It's unlikely, but it's, it's not like it won't happen or can't happen for for two reasons. Uh, one reason is 
if you look at um, if you look at Major League Baseball right now, and we got to hit a timeout. I'll tell you what. Let's hit a timeout. I'll answer that question when we get back. We've got yeah. we've got some hoop stuff to get into as well, and some. Don't some forget hoop. about it though, because I'm I'm very interested in hearing this for a number of reasons. Sure. Yeah, so we'll, so we'll, yeah yeah uh, yeah. Don't forget about this. We'll we'll get to that as soon as we get back. So hang tight. It's twelve twenty four inside the Gamecocks. The show is powered by our friends at Electric Bikes of Charleston. Trust me, if you have ever been interested in doing something different with your exercise and your activity, take my word. I promise you, you can do it during the break. Go to electricbitescharleston.com. Take a look for yourselves. I assure you, you'll see something that you'll really thoroughly enjoy. I hope you enjoy us. We'll be right back. I said, oh, Lord Jesus, it's a fire. Ain't nobody got time for this. Disaster comes uninformed. During and after natural disasters or accidents, there can be a heavy loss to property. Having your home or office destroyed or damaged by water, fire, smoke, or mold affects your personal and business lifestyle. Resto Pros of the Midlands is here to help. Open 24-7. Call them when you need them. 803-493-0170. Resto Pros of the Midlands. RestoProsMidlandsSC.com. Quality that is guaranteed. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams, or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say. And so does the Barndo Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock. Owned and operated. Attention baseball and softball players. For virtual hitting lessons and evaluations, contact former baseball record holder and All-American Michael Campbell at 859-414-8240 or email soupsswingshop at gmail.com. Go Gamecocks. What's up to the best fans in the country? This is Eli Jones, and you're tuned in to Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Go Cocks. It's uh, 12, 28. Sorry. I don't know what I was looking at. Inside the Gamecocks of the show. Welcome back. Built by the Barn Co. Carolina baseball coverage is brought to you by Resto Pros of the Midlands. Resto Pros 
of the MidlandsSC.com. If you've had fire, smoke, water, if you had mold, any of that damage, it ain't good. And we know that. They know that. They're Gamecock owned and operated. They're wonderful people. If Jeff Sturgis is watching today, he's a great dude. And as John Whittle pointed out on Friday, he's a big, big old guy too. So not only will he come in and make sure that, hey, look, we're going to get this cleaned up. We're going to help you with the insurance company. We're going to get everything taken care of. I'm going to be your bouncer. I won't let anybody in the door. I got to take care of. It's like you're you know, trying to get into a nightclub or something like Mad Dog, trying to sneak in the back door. Guys like Jeff Sturgis are going to catch you. They're going to throw you out. Mad so, Dog, he doesn't need to sneak in the back you, door. You don't, you don't, you know, right. he's, no, he's, he's, he's the VIP. They, they, they pick him out of the crowd. They, they whistle at him. Oh, yeah. Maybe more yeah. through. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude, you talking about whistle? We were walking down the street the other day. That's all I heard. I mean, all these <laughs> baseball moms, I mean, college kids, you name it. I thought, man, I, I felt I felt good, and I realized they were talking to Mad Dog. I felt right. that I got, vibe I got before. I all the a soccer mom needs. I've, I, I felt that vibe before. I've been in that presence before, JB, and it's magical. <laughs> hey, that JC, get, good thing we didn't give him one of those electric scooters like he had in Charlotte, huh? He would have ruined the moment in a hurry. I've been getting it's, around pretty good. I had I wasn't drinking, so I probably would have been okay. Phil, <laughs> <laughs> tumble, tumble, tumble. <laughs> oh, look, man, it's it's very rare. There's a good chance that you know if you're talking about Orlando, maybe Carson Messina. Um, I would say actually probably Carson at this point in time. Uh, with where he's at, I mean, he's up there in the mid 90s, up towards the triple digits, and it's February, so. You know, if you get into April, it's probably going to be there. You know, guys like that, they, they, how do you turn down the money? Like, you have a chance to change your life, your family's lives, and the whole nine yards. Um, so, but here's the thing, though. That being said, like, there's always – everybody thinks it's a one-size-fits-all model. It's not. Okay? You can go back to – no, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different. Don't get me wrong here. But there's a reason why they called Drew the franchise when we got to South Carolina, right? Because coming out of school or coming out of Bishop England, he was a you know potential first round draft pick. Probably was a first round draft pick. Uh, Tommy Lasorda was sent to his house, and Drew said, "I'm going to play at South Carolina. It's my dream to be a Gamecock." And they ended up drafting him anyways in the in the second round, thinking that well we'll throw over slot at him because. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to get in all that, but they're going to throw some more money at him, get, in, get him on the board in the second round, throw some more money at him, see what happens. Now, we're talking about top 10 draft picks here versus Drew, who was a potential late first round or whatever the case is. But, you know, he had a little bit of a different situation. I'm not going to speak for the Meyer family. That would be way out of line. Um, but, you know, financially, he could afford to go to South Carolina. And he he bet on himself, and it worked out. First round, it you know, top top ten pick, all worked out. Uh, Smoke had a very similar situation. He was drafted in the sixteenth round out of high school, not because he was a sixteenth rounder. I can assure you of that, because he set the bar very high. He wanted to play for Coach Tanner, and he wanted to be a Gamecock. And and he knew again. I'm not going to speak for people's financial situations, so don't look far into this. That's not what I'm getting at. But he knew that he could go to Columbia, uh, and and get through school and I'm going to go there and I'll go higher than it. Maybe I would have had I not with more money. Now that's been a while ago, right? That was 2008. It's 2000. It's 2024. 
So, or 2002, 2008. So what's changed? We all know what's changed, right? Watch the big leagues. Look at the players. Where are they coming from? They're coming from college campuses, right? That's where they're coming from. They're coming from college campuses. So they're signing dudes who are, I'm not not necessarily big league ready because they're just not all Paul Skeens, but they're ready. You know, and you're not scrounging around for four or five years for a Hardy's meal and a bus ticket anymore. Like they're signing dudes who are dudes in college and they're ready to go play pro ball in a short amount of time. And so, like, I'm not, I don't know what these kids at Somerville are going to do. Don't, th- th- nobody please misinterpret anything I'm saying as, you know, one way or another as far as what's going to make their decision. I don't know. I, I don't even know those guys. I have no idea. But the game is changing and the draft process is changing. And, if you're a really good player and you feel like you will can go to college, bet on yourself and make the same or more money by doing that and you're more ready to go for pro ball by spending especially in this league, you know, 3 years in the SEC, you, you could see that. I'm not saying you will, and I wouldn't bet on it. Not with these cats. They're really good players. But you could see that. Back in 2018, there were four first-rounders. I think they were supplemental slash first-round 2018. So six years ago, right? Six drafts ago? Seven, seven, somewhere in there? They had four, there were four guys that were drafted in the first round slash supplemental first that did not sign. Um, and if I'm correct, I think a couple, one maybe of those guys was a high school guy, if not two. So, you know, it's it, it can happen. Um, there's just a lot that really has to fall into line. And, and for South Carolina, you know, they've got to, they, number one, they've got to be good. Like, you're not going to pass this opportunity up to go play for a program that ain't worth it. You know what? Like, they're not going to do that. This program's on pretty good ground. Um, they've got to feel comfortable, like, not have any issues from a health standpoint. You sh- certainly don't want to go to school and have to shut it down for a year or two because you get banged up. Um, sometimes you just want to take the money and then just deal with the injuries in pro ball when you got however many millions in your bank account if you feel like there's something going on there. So there's a lot that goes on. So those are possibilities. I mean, again, I I wouldn't count on that, but it's not like you just say, oh, he's never coming to school. No, look, like it could happen. It would be a miracle of every miracle on the planet, but it could happen. There's also NIL money now. You know, you can have a player like that. You can, uh, you can, meet some needs financially i'm not going to sit sure. here and say you can outbid the dodgers or somebody like that but uh nope. you no. can uh you can make it to where they're not having to pay for school and putting some money in their pocket these days absolutely uh, people that do complain about nil and think that it's all about guys like juice wells buying lamborghinis and then quitting on their team uh which it's not uh people that think that lead to look at the baseball aspect of it because None of those kids are on full scholarship. All of their NIL money goes to help either pay for school or food or transportation or books or something. Um, and I think out of all of this, uh, NIL has become a nice way uh, to help out your baseball program. You know, yeah. you know yeah. all the noise aside with the other sports, you know, those guys really get helped by it. Um, and we're going to do more. I mean, we, we, we've, 
uh, and I'm, I'm talking collectively at South Carolina, not 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 as a collective, but collectively. Uh, and and Carolina Rise did most of this this year. This is all going to change at some point. But uh, you know, we went from what what did we do last year? A hundred seventy five seventy five thousand total for the team. This year we're at one we're two twenty five between the two collectives. Uh, talking to some people around the SEC, nobody's much higher than five hundred thousand for baseball. Uh, you heard some like stupid numbers thrown out, like that kid from Alabama that went to Florida. He got one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. No, he got forty. <laughs> yeah. But that's a lot when you're talking about a budget of five hundred and fifty thousand dollars and forty players to take care of. So, um, I, I and I think the money from this fan base is there to support that. I think one of my major major jobs this off season is going to be, or this baseball season is going to be, to explain that to people. Hey, look. I know you saw the picture of Juice of the Lamborghini, and it really literally makes you want to not give a dime to any of this. I get that feeling. I understand. But for everything like that, you know, there's four guys starting on your baseball team that don't get any scholarship money whose parents have to write checks or they have to work summer jobs. They have to teach lessons, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and so really, I, I think I think we, the collective we, South Carolina, as far as NIL goes, has an opportunity. Is it going to be enough to get PJ to school? Guys, just realistically, probably not. I think that kid's going to want to have to go to school. I do think he could be taken care of to a certain extent financially. A guy like that could. Um, speaking all completely in hypotheticals, of course. But, you know, you can't outbid a major league club. You know, I don't, I, there's no, no major, there's no college well, base. There's no, you, co- well, you could, but you there's could no. Co- yeah, with slot value, you, you could. But yeah, there, there's no college baseball collect- or collectives that help fund baseball. Like Tennessee, as robust as their collective is, and as much as they do help Tony V up there, you know they're not they're not they're not writing a million dollar check for a signing bonus for some kid to come play baseball. It's just not going to happen. And nor should they. If you're going to get a million dollars, go do it. You know what? Well, I mean, if you're going to outbid somebody, Jason, you're talking about uh, kids like that. Two, three, four, five million. So theoretically, you could, but you're not. Like you can't. So, so what it comes down to then is in their head. So let's let's play a total hypothetical situation, right? Total hypothetical. Guys, these are not real numbers that I'm using. Okay, Carolina Rides has a deal in place from an NIL standpoint with a local company for a quarter million dollars over three years. $250,000. Somebody says, we're going to pay this guy 250 grand to be the face of our company via NIL. And you've got player blank from Somerville. I'm not going to, because I don't want this to get out there. Like I'm talking about. These <laughs> yeah. Guys. Yeah. Somebody's writing so, this down. Oh, like yeah, so play, player blank says, okay, my agent is blank. Probably Scott Boris. Right. And uh, I am sl- I'm slotted to go here, and slot value is this, and I'm asking for this. So I've got a quarter million dollar deal over three years to be the face of this company while I'm playing baseball for the Gamecocks through an NIL deal. I'm asking for five million dollars to sign, and then the draft comes along, and weird thing, y'all think weird things happen in the. NFL draft? Oh, baseball uh-huh. crazy. Okay. Yeah, that's nuts. Major League Baseball draft is like like out of this world stuff. Like you're like, what? 
did you drop 20 rounds and you still got a million dollars? I did well because they uh they saved on this and that. What are you talking about? <laughs> so like so all of a sudden this I'm not budgeting for five. I'm worth five. You want me? I'm worth five million dollars. Okay. So what does that do? Either somebody says I'm gonna pay him the five million dollars, which has to be slot like you you can pay over if you say save somewhere else. But like if you're if you're going in the top 10 picks or the top 20 picks, like generally they're trying to save there so they can sign somebody later to steal somebody for a little bit more money. You know what I mean? So, all right, well, we're going to take you here, but we're offering you four. I'm worth five. Well, to JC or Phil or me, I'm like, whatever, dude, give me the four. I'm in, (laughs) you know, like I don't have $4 million. I'll come play ball. I wanted five, but you know what? Four sounds good. I'll be there in a hurry. So, but that's the way that we think like right now in our lives because we you know we're we're adults we have to pay bills we don't have you know parents covering our cell phone bill and in the whole nine yards so but some of these kids you know no i said five million and they have a good agent and then they have all the information that says you go to school at south carolina take this money this is going to pay for you to be in school so you're not going to owe anything back and then in three years based on what we're seeing here you're going to sign for more than this anyways. And and that will happen. And that will happen. Uh, and, so, and, and those guys will end up getting their name called anyways. They'll drop. And then they'll go somewhere late, second round, somewhere else. And they'll, they'll be offered a blank amount of money just to kind of get their name on the board, knowing that they're not going to sign. But, that, but, you know, those teams will do that to be able to use it to their advantage in three years. So if you've had a real, hey, remember us? We drafted you. You know, we kind of threw you a CRC, threw your name on the board. Everybody got to know you. Oh, yeah, I remember you. Okay, well, we're going to draft you again, and we're for real this time. So, I mean, it is, it is, uh, everybody's probably not following along with what I'm saying, but what I am saying, piggybacking on what JC's point a minute ago with NIL now involved, like there are ways to be able to wipe the debt clean for these kids to be able to go play college baseball with NIL now and allow them more leverage against big league teams coming out of high school, be able to go, play three years, and then sign for more money and still come out debt-free. Back in the day, guys, if you'll remember, what, what you would do – this still happens, by the way. Not, not back in the day. That's, a, that's ludicrous. This happens all the time. J.C. Sherbert gets drafted, and one of, the, one of the pieces of his contract is not only do you get this money and this guarantee or whatever it is, we are also going to pay for you to go back to school up to X number of dollars. Um, so that will also helps major league teams where they say, well, we don't have to put that in our contract now because it's paid for. So, yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. Long story short, it's unlikely these kids are going to end up in school, I would say, as it stands today. But never say never. You never know. People didn't think Landon Powell, Drew Meyer, you mentioned him coming to school and smoke and those guys. I mean, stranger things have happened. Uh PJ is also a guy that's been on the radar for a while. Sometimes those guys are the really the best players out there, juniors. But uh, then there may be 10 guys around the country that the scouts all of a sudden go, oh, well, I don't know, I may like this guy a little better. So you drop not because you're not that good, but because the the discovery process has uncovered, you know, 20 more guys that rise above you. So I, I know that from through the years from ranking football players, you, the, the number, that's why I wish they wouldn't rank them as young as they do. The, the number, there is a better chance of the number one guy in a freshman class in football nationally being a three-star than ended up being a top 50 player when he's a senior. That's just, and baseball is kind of the same way. And I think, 
you know, people talk about this program dipping and stuff like that. Uh, I go back to the Holbrook, the late Holbrook, early Kingston era and, and, and how they recruited then and how that's different now, by the way, with portal. And, and, and think about this. Once you got the portal and once they closed up shop with all this young, young recruiting and Mark and, and Chad both have said it on this show, your chances of missing narrow completely. Coach Tanner didn't miss because Coach Tanner would go down and find Juco players from Florida that, that were like just had nothing but baseball and just, just that, hey, maybe they couldn't hit a ball or field it, but they would win the bar fight each and every time. And they were yeah. tough as nails. And and and, and he replaced, he'd find those guys every single year. I don't know how he did, you know, would you got all this yeah. You're not going to give me my vodka? Hold on, just a grind staff. He said he wouldn't yeah. give me my vodka. Will you take care of this? You know what? Yeah, for me? You can count on him for a pinch bunt in the bottom of the sixth when you need to get a run over the plate, though. No, no, no. All the way back to like Brandon Pack. Y'all remember Brandon Pack back on the 2000? Yeah, I mean, well. that dude was. No, Brandon can swing. I think, I think it was a Florida Juco, you know? I mean, Morales, Florida Juco. I mean, Steve Pierce was a Florida Juco, ended up being the World Series MVP. I mean, and, and so that's how he did it. That time period, though, Holbrook to Kingston, it was a lot of – and I even asked John Whittle this. I was like, dude, has baseball recruiting gotten a little soft to you? He's like, yeah, because they, they're recruiting children and, and not, not grown men, and, and we don't know if these kids are going to become grown men or not. And so the relief on Kingston's face when he we had him on last year and he told us that they were changing those rules and now yeah. with the portal where you can go get grown men and, and, and you know maybe, maybe he does go to maybe we'll see him sneak back down to junior college in Florida or something. Uh, heck, that's where SQ came from, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you I think you're going to see it come back and, and, and make make a little bit more sense because. I think for many years, for a lot of programs, it was a crapshoot, you know, and, and I think some of the remnants of that guys, uh, Mississippi state won the national championship. What, two years ago, they've had what two straight losing seasons, uh, Ole Miss won the national championship one year ago and they went six and 24 in the sec last year. Yeah. And, and I think, I think that, that people are baseball's try kind of getting back to figuring that out. Uh, and, and so with all that, said you know uh you know you just never know when 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 you know the pedal hits the metal so to speak uh, how how much of a value these guys really do have with the major league because major leagues because time uh you know time exposes all things and uh you know time allows you to uncover more talent uh and 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 sometimes list uh at one point in time or one way and they're not in the other that's why i always stress to everybody that when a five-star kid gets in the portal, five-star, five-star, you know, not anymore because it changes. That's athletics. It's sports. It's, 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 it's why we love it. So um, anyway, I just wanted to throw that in as to a lot of, cause a lot of people still, you know, it doesn't matter if Carolina goes to Omaha this year or not, they're never going to forgive Mark Kingston for two losing seasons. And, and I get it. This program should never have two losing seasons, but if you want to dig down to the why, there were a lot of guys that just did not work out, not because of necessarily misevaluations on the part of Chad Holbrook and Mark Kingston, but because of the the way you had to recruit. Because, like King said, well, some you know three other schools have offered them; they're ready to commit in eighth grade, ninth grade. You, you don't not take them because you know you may want to have them one day. You don't want them to go someplace else. 
and that eats up roster spots and everything else. So anyway, that's my little uh, theory on why maybe the roster around here got a little cattywampus. Thank God for the portal. Thank God for NIL because that's that, uh, you know, of, of all the negative in, in a lot of other directions, I think for Carolina baseball, the portal in NIL has been overwhelmingly positive. Yeah, there's no doubt. And it's a good roster now. Very talented. And the play today at uh, at 4 o'clock, can't wait to, to see no. Eddie Copper gets the ball today. 4 o'clock tomorrow, Queens, the lefty, Matthew Becker, will be on the mound for the Gamecocks if you can get out there and watch him play. Got to hit one quick final timeout as we are at uh, about 10 minutes left in the hour. We'll hit that. Don't go anywhere, though. Gamecock Traditions has you cover for baseball season. Have y'all seen the black and the garnet hoodie that they've got there with the sle- the garnet sleeves? Whoa, it's the sweetest Carolina baseball hoodie ever. Where is the gun show thing that Kingston wears? Nah, apparently, in in the gun only closet. only Kingston and Monty have one. The only the gun. I gotta get my guns, guns going. Yeah, I'm interested in this garnet sleeve thing though. That sounds intriguing. Let's oh, ask Kevin sweet. about that. Cool. We'll be right back. It's 2024, and it's time to get in shape. Charleston Fitness Equipment can help you do just that in Mount Pleasant. The Wilkins family, big Gamecock fans, and proud supporters of Carolina Rise and our programming on the Chief Sports Network. But most importantly, proud supporters of you getting healthy and staying healthy. CharlestonFitnessEquipment.com. Find them on the Chief Sports app and in Mount Pleasant. Happy New Year. Hey Gamecock fans, Mike Morgan here. During my time in Columbia, one of my favorite places to eat was Salsaritas. When I go back now for work or any other reason, it's still Salsaritas. Yeah, I'm like you. I love tacos. I love Tex-Mex. Where are you going to go to get them? Well, you've got two convenient Salsaritas locations, one in Lexington in the Target Center and one in West Columbia as well. Now, if you like tailgating, and who doesn't? Whether it's for a football game or anything else, they've got the catering hotline. Get yourself some Fiesta packs to take tailgating. Get yourself the Three Amigos bundles for tailgating. They make catering easy with a fresh, hot setup. And again, you just call the phone number, 803-543-6297 to set it up. You can also look them up online, or you can even download the app. Salsaritas is just a cut above the rest. That's why they're serving williams Price Stadium and the South Stands, also serving in the Colonial Life Arena. Again, that catering hotline number, make it easy for you and the folks out there. You don't need to settle for sandwiches. Which is every time 803-543-6297. 803-543-6297. Rescues and resin, proud supporters of Carolina Rise. They are also proud partners of the show. They make products you can't get anywhere else. Custom designed wood and resin products that make your tailgate, make your home, or make anything stand out. Order a custom cutting board, coasters, wall art, tables, and more. Contact Dustin and Tabitha at rescuesandresin.com today. Rescuesandresin.com and put your imagination to work. Rescues and Resin, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. And we welcome you to Founders Park. It's time for baseball, folks. Swing and a drive. Left field. 
way back and gone. It's the ball into the air the opposite way. Has he done it twice? Yes, he has. Taylor to the wall. There's a high drive. That ball is tagged. That ball is way, way, way out of here. A great slam home run for Ethan Petrie. What else can this young man do, Derek? My goodness, that ball was killed. This is Ethan Petrie from Gamecock Baseball. You are now listening to Inside the Gamecocks the Show. Be loud. No Gamecocks. Presented by Resto Pros of the Midlands. Resto Pros Midlands SC.com. That's right, Resto Pros Midlands SC.com. Fire, smoke, water, wind, you name it, damage. They've got it. There you go. Look. Oh. That's I mean, pretty sharp. Yeah. I know. Kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Am I am I your Vanna White, Phil? Here. You know what? You do that well. Must be a coastal thing. I mean, isn't that sweet? Vanna White's from North Myrtle Beach. That's right. I mean, JB's from John's Island. No, I'm from Mount Pleasant, but I live on John's Island. There's a big difference. I think maybe when you were born, there's probably nothing on John's Island. There was literally, yeah, there was not, not a whole lot on John's Island. Yeah, there it was called farms and wild boars. Were, are there yeah. wild boars down there? Gators, oh, yeah. gators. Da, 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 da. Gamecocktraditions.com, by the way. Our, I like that. Our... Everybody go buy one and tell them you heard about it on the show, please. Yeah, well, there's nowhere else we would have heard about it except for that's it. Actually, that's it, actually. Yeah, so, yeah. um. We get, we do have Hale coming up. Uh, so excited to get him. Uh, by the way, uh, phenomenal day honoring Tommy Moody. Just phenomenal, 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 phenomenal. It looked great it's, in person. Uh, you can. Uh, it was very emotional, very emotional, and um, and hats off and big big hugs. And I gave him one on Friday uh, to Stuart Lake, who has just been fantastic in that seat. I mean, my good. If any of you, let me tell you something. I get it. Everybody wants to see it. Oh, I'm not going to cut on the radio. You have no idea how much you're missing out. The first three innings of the season, Stuart Lake and Derek Scott and Phil Phil will vouch. I had the earpiece in two doors down. They were they were sitting there talking to Bobby Richardson for three innings. You got to be kidding me to open the season. I mean, you couldn't get better than that. It was unbelievable. unbelievable. Unfortunately. I don't remember whether it was Friday or Saturday. I think it was Friday. Uh, the app didn't work for 107.5. Well, that's why you have the Gamecocks app. Yeah, that's why I listen on the Gamecocks. I don't use the Gamecocks app because it costs uh, – No, it's no, free. Uh-uh, free. It's free. Radio, the Gamecocks the app is free. free. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, don't I learn something new every day. Well, the one I mean, now, now I did. I, I was on 107.5 this morning, and I, I did compliment WG because it did work. On Sunday, so I caught that whole game. Uh, uh, just uh, I just listened to the whole game on the radio. I just wasn't going to turn on the, the television. And uh, I did the same on the phone. Sunday. I mean, Sunday afternoon listening to a baseball game—that's oh, yeah. that's peak peaceful, clean living, awesome, awesomeness right there. And uh, I listened to the whole thing. And you're right, man. Our guy Stewart 
is, I mean, it's like a Russian. fish to water. I mean, he, he's just, he's amazing with what he does. And Derek's great on the call as always. And, uh, man, it was, uh, from where I sit, it reminded me of listening to old Pete Van Weeren and Ernie Johnson and Skip Carey, Don Sutton back in the day when, you know, when well, there's a high fly ball to deep left center field. Yeah, well, the Braves. <laughs> my uncle, my <laughs> uncle used to uh, spend a lot of time. Um, uh, he would see those guys a lot, and um, he would see uh, Ernie or uh, Johnson a lot in uh, the liquor store. So. Uh, Johnny's Hideaway too in Buckhead. <laughs> Y'all ever been there? Hey, Bill. Hey, hey, anybody in the chat box ever been to Johnny's Hideaway? Let me know. Um, but no, no, yeah, those guys were. I mean, I bet those guys were awesome to hang out with and know. You know, as as oh, yeah. miserable of a human being as Skip Carey sounded like on the air, I bet he was fun. I bet he was the guy that kind of made fun of everybody in the group. Hey, Sherbert, oh, nice to see you dressed up for this occasion. <laughs> Yeah, I see. Oh, I see. Sherbert's not holding back tonight. <laughs> yeah. That's who it was. It was Skip. He'd always see Skip in the liquor store. Hey, Skip. He came by it, honest. The guy gave no care. <laughs> Whereas his dad was to say, hey, guess what? Cubs. Oh, my God. Shout out to Martha and Schomburg. Happy birthday. Skip would be like, guess it's time to read the birthday. <laughs> Ryan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> We're at the end. We're at the end here, but Joe, we'll laugh at the Joanne, Joe, anyway, ever partial sellout. That's a partial sellout at the ballpark today. Partial sellout. <laughs> well, you're right, Ryan. But that I that third base and won that year. Skip, I think some joy came in the old Skip Carey part. Yeah, this this hog was too size. Oh, little. And for Cabrera in the middle, it all Sid came juggling, chug, chug, chugging around. And his heart threw three stars that day. And oh, yeah, shut up, uh, Braves. Braves win. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> Dixie Vodka, speaking of uh, Skip Hello, Carey. I just envisioned all of that in sepia tones in my head. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> the traffic here just keeps getting better and better. <laughs> Dixie Vodka presents the Chief Sports Network. You can download, and I hope you all have, the Chief Sports app. It's free, just like we mentioned. The Gamecocks app is free. Plug for the University of South Carolina. So is our Chief Sports app. You'll want it. You'll love it. That's where you can get us every day and much, much more, including chin music. If you haven't listened to that yet, boy, you're missing out. You're not going to miss out on Hale McGranahan, though. He's going to join us next, and uh, we still have some national college football news and bracketology to dip our toes into final hour of ITG coming up. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. Touchdown door. Set up the screen and it goes to Boer. 20. 15, 10, 5, touchdown Brewer, his second of the day. Pitches it to Brewer, turns the corner, touchdown, number three of the afternoon. 
Hey folks, it's Mike Morgan for Ryan Brewer Fence. That's right, you know the former Gamecock legend as a terrific college football player. Well, I know him as that too. I also know him as the guy that runs a great business, one of the best businesses in South Carolina. How do I know that? Well, for one, I'm actually a client of Ryan's. I had my home in Columbia done years ago, and his crew did an outstanding job, just as he does for everybody else. Whether you're in the market for a fence, railings, columns, or anything in between, their craftsmanship, their experience, and service second to none. Ryan Brewer Fence has over 15 years of experience with consultation and installation of residential and commercial fencing and railings. Rest assured, your job will be done with an unparalleled level of expertise, and it's done on time, and they do it right the first time. Again, you're not going to do any better than Ryan Brewer, Ryan Brewer Fence. The website is ryanbrewer.net. Set up an appointment today. Tell them Mike sent you. My company is Billy G's Carolina Barbecue. We are based in Columbia, South Carolina. And we have two lines of sauces and a spice rub. I mean, when people try our product, they know it's a gourmet product and it can go on any type of food. It's not surprisingly delicious. It's expectedly delicious. Oh man. The building is on fire. Emergencies and accidents happen. When you're in the middle of a fire or water event, all you want is for things to return to normal as soon as possible. Resto Pros of the Midlands is with you, guiding you through the process and working with you to get your home or office back in working order. They'll answer your questions, discuss procedures, and can act as your advocate when it comes to processing your insurance claim. RestoProsMidlandsSC.com. Open 24-7 when you need them. Quality that is guaranteed. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. of a delay you're doing what you know it's like you you know singing with somebody on a cell phone right oh yeah and you get this like there's that there's that tiny little delay while everything you know repeats and goes where it's supposed to out in the ether 
So I try to, like when I'm singing on the phone with my wife, get ahead of it a little bit. Yeah. That way she won't continue to try to sing with me. And then it keeps getting off and getting off. And I just try to be a little beat ahead. That way, you know, she just continues to sing. Yeah, I don't know. It's you and your like, wife sing on the phone to each other? Did I hear have that you right? met us? <laughs> well, I have. I yeah, yeah, no. You know. yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, we do. We do. Yeah. Drink this bourbon spiced coffee and no, act no. like I didn't act that quick. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, no, yeah. Oh, hail. Hail Satan. So, JC Saul says, live behind Johnny's and saw John Ham in there one night. No. Oh, all right. Uh, Johnny's Hideaway. Let's see. Nah, nobody else. Nah, God, you guys are missing out. Somebody mentioned Rick Baylor. Okay. So, the ugliest. Major League Baseball team in the history, the most unattractive, had to be the mid '80s Braves. With guys, I, didn't, I don't know. I've never I mean, these dudes, the '80s baseball teams for looks. These, they, they, but no, go, <laughs> so think about this, man. Think about this. These jokers look like Deliverance, right? Okay, you got Rick Mailer who had like by four teeth. Zane mm. Smith, what a looker that guy was. Ken Obert <laughs> fell. Well, like he yeah. fell off a, a a sausage wagon from the north. So who was the best Norway. looking team in the eighties? Was it the Athletics because they had Big Mac and I, Jose? Be like I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. But I'm just know. saying the, the that was an ugly bunch watching the break. Rafi, I mean, even Glenn Hubbard looked like a like a hey, <laughs> like the guy enough. that worked at the car wash. <laughs> it's enough on Glenn Hubbard. Bob no Horner. More. I like Bob. Fantastic gut on that guy, you know. I where, just where, uh, where would Hale McGranahan have fit in with the best looking team in the eighties or the worst looking team in the? 80s? He would have probably been like the poster boy because I, I guess who was the poster boy? It was either Dale Murphy or number two had to be like Bruce Benedict. Uh, I mean, because th those dudes were just not. I mean, bless their hearts. He looks more like one of the Yankees. Is <laughs> Tommy boy wants I mean, you're Please talking missing you. teeth, rat tails, like I said, he's kind of Bruce Benedict, like Bruce Benedict and Dale Murphy, the only two normal looking dudes on the mid eighties breaks. Hell, I apologize for the eighties major league baseball, hot or not segment, but you fit in with the hot side of this for what it's worth. <laughs> wow. Thank you. My baseball cards are right over there. I want to bring them over and show some. <laughs> I don't. I don't have a lot to add to that conversation. I. I was. Don't blame uh, you. <laughs> I was. I was a young lad. I, I don't have a lot of yeah. Dale Murphy and uh, Bob Horner are about the only '80s Braves who who I know of, and I'm a Braves well, fan. You don't remember Rick Mailer? <laughs> no. Zane no, Smith. I'll tell you oh, Zane, Zane Smith was on the some of the '90s teams. Ken Ober, yeah, Zane lasted a little bit because he was he was the best pitcher they had, and yo, dude, yeah, it's just like who's the guy that played for the Cardinals? A little like ET, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, major league baseball at this point in time. You're it's our Hale, weird, you're man. you are our Dale Murphy, which means two things: one, Whoa. heck of a player; number should two, be in the Hall of Fame. Should be in the Hall of Fame. That's right. Should oh, be wow. in the Hall of Fame. You're in our Hall of Fame. That means a lot. I, I, I do appreciate that. And I'm yes. excited to, to be able to have that attached to my name. Okay. So, right. Hall of Fame. I'm a Hall of Fame PC today. 
So I don't, yeah, I, I don't know. One of our chat boxers said this, but you know how things get a little misconstrued. So what exact? I missed w- what you asked Sean Elliott. So what was your question to Coach Elliott? Because they were like, yeah, oh. I, I could have worded said, heck of a question or something. I don't know what it was. I, I could have worded it better, but I, I was just trying to get him to address leaving the, the talking point that a lot of people had last week that he left Georgia State because he was tired of fighting to keep his players from getting to getting into the portal and going to other schools. So I I asked about that and and uh, he responded uh, accordingly. What do you yeah, I you know I I um so I because I listened to his response to that question. I mean I'm not so sure that that's not something that <laughs> I mean just speaking honestly here right that coaches don't talk about right hail like yeah yep there's another one it's 8 a.m all i wanted to do is wake up and read the paper this morning have some cereal get into the office but my starting running backs in the portal and he's edited wherever you know i mean you know that it affects these guys but you know i i think that he tried to make this more about the university of south carolina outside of the the knowing passion for Carolina that he has, and we've all kind of known that over the years. Did, was there anything that stood out or that you learned from that thirty minutes? Not really. I mean, I, I was only around Sean Elliott for one season. It was it was the first Muschamp season, and that was my first year covering the team. So I, I didn't know him that well compared to a lot of other folks who, who've covered. Carolina football and watched Carolina football. Uh, but I, I knew – I certainly heard all the stories from from that, you know, 2010 to 16 run, uh, especially during the Spurrier days of, of of Elliott and what he brought to the team in terms of emotion, passion, and obviously you, you'd see the, the clips of him doing the mosh pit stuff pregame and – so I was, I was very well aware of, the, of all that stuff and, and seeing people talk about him on the board when, when he got the job back and how fired up they were. Uh, I, I, I knew that, that this press conference was probably going to be one that got a lot of people fired up. And for me personally, I, I can't wait to go lift some weights this afternoon and, uh, <laughs> and try to try to bulk up and, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm fired up he, and, and I'm not even really, I, whether it was him coaching tight ends or, you know, Joe Schmo from Alcorn State, like uh, I, I, I got pretty pumped up listening to Sean Elliott today, just because he he exudes passion. It's it's pretty pretty genuine, uh, as far as I can tell. I, again, I don't know him that well, but it's pretty obvious he he's real fired up to be nothing to be nothing fake about that. I started thinking about it too. It's like. My God, he and Will Muschamp were on the same staff for one year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pre-game boy. <laughs> I, bet it got, I bet it was on then. Oh, my God. I, I, think, I think one of the things, too, with – you mentioned Coach Muschamp, JC, two totally different situations, clearly, with Muschamp following the dude at Florida, and then he followed the dude at South Carolina. Yeah, um, had a couple, had one nice, one really nice year in Florida, and one you know pretty good, nice year in South Carolina. Um, I think when you evaluate Coach Elliott and what he did as a head coach at Georgia State overall, what a win! Like 
I mean, hell, I'm not. I know that you don't cover Georgia State and, and know that program inside and out or anything. But I, I think we've JC's talked about some of this last week. Um, I think that the general theory, and I've always thought this too, and and I guess I've I've learned more, so I'm a little bit. I was a little bit misguided. You would think that with Georgia State being right there in the center of downtown Atlanta, well, you don't have to go anywhere, right? You're recruiting players. I mean, you, you just just sign dudes. I mean, they're in your backyard. Where you why yeah why you want to go anywhere else? But but it, it is a challenging job for multiple reasons. And outside of the second year that he had, which was totally knock the thing down and build it back up, which he did, I think he was like four and one or five and one in bowl games. The fact that he even went to that many bowl games is phenomenal. He had all these winning records. I, I, I think that he leaves there very proud of what he achieved. Did, did you feel that today? Like he didn't feel like he left, I don't want to say a loser, but. Like I feel like he left everything on the table. Like I did everything I could do, and and now I'm just ready to come home. Yeah, I I think he's content with with how that chapter of his coaching career went. I mean, if you if you just look at at the Sun Belt Conference as a whole, Jesus, that's it's it's a really good really good league for that for that level. Obviously, it's not the SEC, but for that level for for group of five schools. I don't know if you're going to find a better division than than what Georgia State's in. I'd, I'd pull it up just to remind myself, but uh, James Madison won, won the East Division, followed by App State, Coastal Carolina, Old Dominion, then Georgia State, Georgia Southern, and Marshall. Like all, all yeah. what, six or seven or eight of those those programs are are very proud football programs. They They do everything in their power to win football games and to be competitive and to try to win at, at the highest level that, that they're at right now. And, you know, some people might look at the overall record from, from Sean Elliott's tenure there. It was, I believe it was a losing record, but he had what, five winning seasons. I, I think that the two and 10 in year two probably skews things a little bit, but I mean, they, they had some success there and it's a very, again, it's a very competitive league and, it, and and as you guys talked about last week, I, I was listening to that episode a little bit, watching that episode a little bit. Uh, th- there are a lot of challenges at at a place like Georgia State specifically that that people don't really think about, especially if if they're you know national type pundits who who've never been to Georgia State's campus or know where in Atlanta it is or what what they've got going on there. Like yeah, hey, they play at the Brave Stadium. That's all they know about them. Well, it's it's not even on campus. Like that's totally detached. It's nearby their campus, but it's 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 not it's not near it's not on campus. It, it's it's sort of similar to Williams Bryce being detached from the University of South Carolina, but they don't have eighty thousand people trying to come watch their football games. They have you know I don't I don't know what the average attendance was, but it's probably not more than ten thousand, and that's probably being very generous. So there. Are, there are a lot of challenges, as you guys have talked about before, that, that are associated with, with being at Georgia State. But I'll say this. I'll close, close by saying this. If you look at some of the players that, that Georgia State added from the transfer portal this this past cycle, there are a lot of a lot of names who, who some people might be familiar with if, if they follow recruiting and and uh, see that, that a lot of those guys are, are have moved down from Power 5 schools. It'll probably – leave whoever the next head coach is at Georgia State with a, a pretty pretty decent roster to go, you know, try to win games in the Sun Belt with. Yeah, I, I think 
I think honestly, and I think Sean feels this way. He did all he could do there. That's a fledgling program. It's a 13 year old program. It's, it's much more, they have much more in common with some conference USA schools like Charlotte or Florida international, uh, you know, middle Tennessee schools like that. that They do the Sunbelt. The Sunbelt's an interesting case study because they inherited all the powerhouses coming up from FCS. Uh, like you mentioned, Hale, most recently, James freaking Madison, <laughs> uh, App State, Georgia Southern, um, Southern, and, and then all the schools that dropped that kind of had to drop backward, like that once were Conference USA, like Marshall, Southern Miss. Um, you know, you got a you got a program there in Troy that's got a lot of tradition, Louisiana, where Billy Napier came from, has won games. Um, I guess the most similar profile will be Old Dominion in terms of, I, I guess. Uh, located in a talent hotbed, not that old of a program, but ODU has getting coach in the country. They think ODU is a gold mine. Um, even Arkansas State, how many how many coaches jump from Arkansas State uh, yeah. to to? I mean, uh, Gus Malzahn, Hugh Freeze, coach there. Brian Harson, coach there. Uh, Champions of Life is there now, trying to dig his way out. Uh, I think he took Georgia State as far as he could do it, and 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 I thought. When they started that 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 program, they hired Bill Will Curry. I was like, eh, I just don't know. Atlanta is a dog town, but it's also the whole SEC and most of the ACC. And then there's Georgia Tech. And so then you tell – and, you know, you even have a suburban uh, football program now, Kennesaw State, that's doing pretty well. But you tell me where you fit in downtown like that. I just don't know that you do. Um, great idea getting Turner Field to be your home field. I think that's they got a lot going for them. But I, I just think you look at it and it's like a miniature SEC. Uh, you know, you throw Southern Miss and Marshall in there. Southern Miss and Marshall used to routinely beat uh big time schools, you know, and we everybody knows about coastal and app state and you know, all that stuff. Even places like South Alabama and Texas State have a lot of upside. And so I I I, I think number one. I think he, I don't know this for a fact that, that he's felt like he could, uh, he's accomplished all he could accomplish there. Uh, I don't know that it had a lot to do necessarily with the, the transfer portal. Although I think most group of five coaches will probably express frustration with that. Uh, and I say, I feel bad for the coaches. I think the athletics programs did it to themselves by chasing money at the FBS level. Um, and you know, it's just how it is right now. You know, I'm sorry, you know, but you're FBS technically, <laughs> you know, I mean, you're the ones that chose to co- come and play at this level and, and now, yeah, you're going to get rated. So there you go. Um, but I, I, I think, I think, you know, when you look at the job he did, we're going to look back on it, uh, in a couple of years. Cause I think the new guy will inherit a good situation and they'll win some games, but I think we're going to look back on this in a couple of years and go, man, what Sean Elliott did at Florida, Georgia state was nothing short of, of amazing. You know, because I just you look at this league, and I'm like, who has the most upside and potential and tradition and all that stuff that you mix in to have a successful program at that level? Georgia State would not rank all that high on my list. Yeah, I, I think that Sun Belt East Division is the SEC West equivalent of of the uh, you know G five. Yeah, it's yeah. it's loaded, man. I mean, App State is is awesome. Like that's that's a fantastic program. I mean, don't have to explain that to anyone around here. Coastal has clearly got uh, got a, a good thing going there. Even post 
Jamie Chadwell, that I think you know, there, there's a lot to like about the upside with those two programs in particular. Uh, and could, like JC said, probably name a few more before you get down to Georgia State if you're just talking what's a better job. Yeah, exactly. And 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 clearly part of the, the center of the conversation today was his family. You know, he's, he's got Madden yeah. and Max and Summer. They get him back home permanently. He was telling some of the – he'd drive here for five-minute cheerleading things and turn around and drive back. It's crazy to even think about. Um, so they, they are and, – and he's a native of Camden, but, but they are uh, Columbia residents and have been. Um, one of the things, Hale, kind of easing this into recruiting – he he really, rightfully so, when he went to Georgia State, continued to heavily recruit the state of South Carolina. So what do you what do you know about his relationships with the high school coaches here here within our borders? Yeah, I think he's well liked. A lot of people got to know him. I mean, starting back at App State when he was an assistant there. I mean, that's that's always been a pipeline for, for that program is, is the, the level of players they can get out of South Carolina. Like there, there are a lot of good football players in this state, as we all know, maybe not good enough to play at Carolina or Clemson, but if, if you're good enough to play at app state, they're going to recruit you. They're going to find you first of all. And, and you, you can look down the line of, of guys who were recruited to South Carolina during Elliott's first first run as an assistant coach here and some of the the better players uh, that, that this program had, especially along the offensive line. I mean, Zach Bailey and Donnell Staley were were big-time recruits, offensive linemen who, who South Carolina beat a lot of people to get. And and you, you can't get wins like that as a, as a coach if, if the high school coaches aren't uh, in your corner and liking, liking what you're telling their guys and – um, you, you know, they believe they believe in that guy, especially especially if they're a Carolina fan. I mean, obviously, they're, they're going to be high school coaches who are Carolina fans, high school coaches who are Clemson fans. I, I know without a doubt all of the South Carolina fans who coach high school football in this state, they love them some Sean Elliott. So I, I think it's safe to say he's he's going to do pretty well that way. Smiled for 30 minutes today. By the way, uh, tip of the cap to Schubert. If you have not looked at the bigspur.com today just yet, the VIP tidbits are up. And uh, JC has a probably about a, depending whether you can or cannot read, a five to 10 minute read of uh, information on Gamecock football. Some of you might be like me. It takes you a little bit longer to comprehend. But uh, nonetheless, it's up there and really good stuff. He's got a bunch in there on Sean. Um, so I think one of the interesting things, I'll let you two kind of take this out. I'm just going to tee it up and, and, and see if one of you grounds out or hits it in the gap or what you're going to do with it. One of the interesting things right now about this staff is there are three offensive line coaches on it. Um, now, I get what Coach Elliott was saying today, and I think that that's the right approach, and it's long been the right approach around here to have a staff that's multifunctional, that uh, it can work together on both sides of the ball to figure out the best thing that they can figure out for their football program. But that said... Uh, the guy who's the least experienced is the offensive line coach. And I'm not saying that man, that's a bad thing. I'm just saying the, the least experienced guy is the offensive line coach officially in Lonnie Teasley. The the most experienced guy is an off-the-field dude in Greg Adkins. And then, of course, I'd say that Sean Elliott has plenty of experience with the offensive line in himself. 
So what, what do you anticipate out of this group, Hale, and how they'll kind of attack uh, what they need to attack to get better up front collectively overall? I mean, we were talking about the tight, tight ends and getting the running game going. Well, all that stuff works together. And the three of these guys have like 70 years or something ridiculous of combined college football experience. So what do you think that's going to look like here with spring practice like 26 days away? I don't know. I can't really speak to too much of, of the scheme and, and those types of specifics, but I, I would think that w- whatever it looks like, JB, is is those guys coming together and trying to figure out, hey, what what works best for us, whether it's zone, uh, power, what, whatever the case may be. I, I think they're going to probably come to a collaborative decision, and, and it'll probably be pretty obvious because, you know, those – things tend to show themselves during practice of what they do well and what they don't do so well or what they need to get better or whatever the case may be. I I, I think it's safe to say that you're going to have, have a, a, a group of, of football coaches who, who are comfortable with, with sharing decisions or sharing ideas and making decisions as a group, as opposed to a, a coach over here saying, well, no, I like it this way, so we need to do it that way. Or a coach over here, you know, kind of side-eyeing him, and, you know, maybe he's a little lower on the totem pole, so he can't say anything, but he's he's going to, you know, side-eye him a little bit and, and maybe complain uh, behind behind some closed doors. I, I, I think, you know, and, and Sean Elliott said it best today, he left a head coaching job to come be an assistant coach. I don't think he's got any problem with humbling himself. Uh, so if that means his idea is going to take a backseat to Lonnie Teasley uh, or the offensive coordinator, Dow Loggins, then, then so be it. The, the, I, I, I really do believe that, that those types of feelings will, will be able to be pushed to the side and, uh, and they'll try to reach a conclusion that, that makes the most sense for this team. Uh, and, and I think that's key for, for any, any football team, any level is to, to just, Figure out what you're good at and, and and try to do it as often as possible and as efficiently as possible. Well, Lonnie Teasley's a lucky dude, isn't he? To have those two guys as mentors in the building. Holy smokes. I mean, just think I, about the combined experience of the staff as a whole. I know. I, I mean, my goodness. I agree. You know, I mean, it's just we spoke a little bit about it with Mike yesterday, but just it's astounding. It really is. Got a little yeah, red meat. Red meat for the the haters and smart asses out there. Yeah, so, there's uh, including Shane Beamer, five former tight ends coaches now. That's that's a good staff. point. <laughs> Coley coach tight ends, Beamer coach tight ends, Elliot coach tight ends, and his coaching tight ends, Dowell coach tight ends, and Lonnie Teasley coach tight ends. Markwell Blackwell did not, which surprised me because he's coached quarterbacks in some other spots. Yeah. Joe Day Camillus has never coached a position except special teams. Yeah. So, uh, and I did write, write up on him, by the way. You, you're, you're right up on uh, some well, of the. Well, I, I kind of borrowed some team. from the VIP room a few weeks back, and I talked to my other guy, the, the, not a, a Texas guy that's not from our network, and he kind of reinforced it and said, Yeah, man, Sark couldn't manage the clock. And, you know, this guy came in and kind of helped him with all that. And I, and, and I guess if you're just a special teams coach, and you're in the NFL, and you got the head coach, and especially if the head coach is your father-in-law, uh, you could maybe help with that. You probably could get pretty good at it through the years, because you got to look at the clock too to know when to send the you know punt, punt, 
kick, kick, block onto the field and stuff, right? Punt and, team. Punt team. So, yeah, let's go. Punt. Shoot. Punt team. Right, punt punt team. But um, and just a lot of organizational stuff and all that. Um, just really nice. And uh, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. now DeMarco yesterday did mention, and Camillus, D. Camillus mentioned this in his, hmm. in his presser, that coaching special teams in, in the NFL, there's really just like one way to do it. He's like, Pat was like, punt team is just your basic. I mean, you just punt team. That's it. That's what it is. He's like, in college, there's, it's like Waffle House hash browns. There's a bunch of different ways you can do it. <laughs> you can uh, scatter and, it, smother it, or cover it. Yeah. And D. D Camillus, by the way, uh, mentioned that in his preset. I think you can affect the game differently because you, and I think maybe part of it's because the hashes, maybe part of it's because, of, you know, a 47 man roster. Dude, you know, isn't that weird? Much. And, 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 and Hale, you've been covering. Carolina slash Clemson for how long now total? What, what year is this? 20 uh, since 2009, however long. long yeah, I was about to say 15 years. Okay. Yeah. And JC, you've been covering uh, all this for 20, 20, over 20 years. So 35, 40 years experience between the two of you. There's two coaches on this staff who've been hired in consecutive years who have gone out of their way to mention the hash marks and how it affects the game and how you call the game based on the hash marks at the college level coming from the NFL level. Had you ever heard anybody talk about the hash marks before they got here? Because I you know, never the, even thought about it. The first time I heard about it was, uh, oh, the, the mad scientist, uh, oh. OC Carolina had before before the new guy, before Dowell. Yeah, Notice no, that was one of the first things Dowell said. You know, you know, like I wasn't a big fan of, of the weight. It's not that I'm not a fan of bunch formations because I – uh, LSU and, and Alabama, some other schools have shown us that those can be lethal if you have the right players. But I wasn't a fan of how crowded it was because right. you lose your advantages and your personnel advantages in college when you stack people too close together at the line. Right. That That's why you can spread people out in college and get be successful with it. That's why you with the hash marks, you can't spread people out in the pros and, and be that successful. You know, it's a different game. Now, there are concepts that go back and forth, but that does make it – you don't think about that when you're watching it, but that, that does make it a different game. And yeah. Dowell and DeCamillis both have mentioned that. And and I think I think that – that's and it, it kind of shocks me that, that Marcus Satterfield well, didn't seem to care that they were hash more. I mean, I don't know. You know, I don't – you ask him. Go ask Matt Rule because uh, they're still letting him call plays even yeah. though they've – They've moved him to tight ends, coach. <laughs> tight end coaches, baby. But um, you know, it, it just uh, there was no, yeah, I, I don't know. So anyway, I'm glad I'm glad people understand that now at Carolina. Um, yeah. and I guess the other thing is too, South Carolina really hasn't had a whole lot of guys call plays here or whatever outside of Steve Spur that have been in the NFL. You know, so so we haven't really been exposed to to all that. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of some former NFL coaches that came back. Ray Rich Lesky, I guess, came back uh, from the Colts or wherever to coach special teams that one year. Boy, he was he was quite a character, by the way. Um, or maybe he went to the Colts. I don't know. Uh, but Carolina's had has not had a whole lot of guys to run offense or defense come back from the NFL. Maybe since the 80s with Al Groh who came in and, and had a one year as an offensive coordinator under Joe Morrison and then went back to defense. But uh, so, so I guess we just haven't been exposed to those differences because we haven't had to 
had to worry about. It. Everybody's kind of come from college, you know, that's been around here. Um, but uh, it's true. <laughs> that's true. And, and I, you know, why, why didn't Steve Spurrier's and Bobby Petrino's offense work up there? It's probably that's probably something to do with it. Because if if you're dealing with different areas of space then your offense, which is based on spacing and finding open space, that space isn't always going to be open unless you adjust. So that's uh that's very, it's a very interesting thing uh, to kind of consider. All right. Hey, we'll, we'll get you out of here in just a few minutes. Give us a, uh, give us a, a big warm Hale McGranahan recruiting update. Uh, what's on, what's on the agenda in the immediate future from uh, official visits to to commitment watch what do you have give us the juice man yeah the official visits aren't uh a short-term thing like it's not going to be till june well may 31st till those start happening around here but i think there are probably up to 11 guys that have to go back and count up got 11 guys maybe 12 confirmed as official visitors uh for a few different weekends uh starting that may 31st then the following weekend and then two weeks after that one, uh, a lot of guys who, who are cornerbacks, DBs, some offensive linemen, uh, they're working on getting some more receivers added, added to the guest list. I confirmed three linebackers last night, uh, including uh, Nathaniel Owusu Boateng from IMG Academy. Um, Whoa. Then, then you add Zayden Walker from Schley County. The, the number one ranked linebacker in the country. There, there are four linebackers who are scheduled to take official visits to South Carolina in June. And that's going to be an important position. Uh, if, if you look at the current roster and who's going to be coming off the books after this, this upcoming season, they're going to need to sign a bunch of linebackers. So that's, that's a good sign. Uh, seems like we're talking about defensive tackles every week. When, when we get to this point of my uh, appearance on the show, haven't gotten any confirmation on, Defensive tackles taking official visits, but I, I'm sure there will be some added to, to the list as we get further along. Obviously, May 31st is a long way away, so there's plenty of time to get guys in and scheduled for those. And, and in the meantime, leading up to that, there will be plenty of opportunities for unofficial visits. The, the team will we'll start spring breaks March 19th, and you know they'll have the spring break earlier in the month. So probably about that second week in March, we'll, we'll start seeing a bunch of guys coming in for unofficial visits and things are going to crank up and, and get busier and busier as we, we get closer to the summer and, and it's going to be, it's going to be a, a busy stretch. These, these next four or five, maybe even six months uh, when it comes to recruiting for South Carolina. So things might feel a little slow for now, for right now, if you're a South Carolina fan looking at recruiting, but, but I promise this, this thing's going to get going and, get cranked up and you're going to start seeing guys joining Jaden Sellers in, in this commitment class as, as they look to, to, to start building this thing. I'm just trying to use simple logic here, but they've got four new coaches on staff, including one that just had his press conference today. I would imagine that the four of them uh, over the next 30 plus 30 to 45 days will really be starting to lay some groundwork for what's to come this summer. So when you make staff changes like that, Hale, just, it's just going to take a little bit of time to kind of get those relationships reestablished or just established in general. So those who are maybe getting a little antsy, while we all understand, I, I, I would venture a guess the, uh, the, um, that the message is just 
just just hang hang tight. They're 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 hard at work. Yeah, and I'd say this too. It's like, look, let, let, if you look at the classes, Bieber, really the classes, Muschamp signed too. All of them ended up okay, you know. Uh, last year was an like different that they had all the all like five big time commits in uh, December, January, February. Uh, a lot of that was groundwork they had laid. A lot of it was those kids had come to great atmospheres for the A&M game and Tennessee game, you know, Carolina went eight and five and they're five and seven this year. It doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to be able to recruit, but you're not going to be able to recruit as fast. Uh, and, and some people, when a losing season happens, they freak out. They're like, Oh my God, the recruiting class is going to fall apart. That takes an absolute disaster. And this year was bad. It wasn't a disaster. Um, and so they're able to hold on to those guys. It's that next class that it impacts because those are the younger kids and, and they make decisions earlier and stuff like that. I'm looking at these official visits though. I think if they get their share of guys here, hell, they're going to be looking pretty good, especially with some of these kids out of Georgia. Uh, it's interesting. This kid, Chris Hatfield, he's a six, three corner yeah. from long County. I've never heard of Ludoichi, Georgia. Is that how you say it? I don't even know how to pronounce it. I'm going with the Italian pronunciation <laughs> just because uh, it's easier for me. So I'm going with Ludoichi. <laughs> but, I mean, Ludoichi. Yeah, welcome to Ludoichi. Uh, so it's in the, the Hinesville, Fort Stewart metropolitan areas. It's like extreme southeast Georgia. Uh, I guess sort of towards Savannah. Ludoichi. You know, so that's that's where I guess that's where he's so yeah, the county seat though is Ludoichi or Ludowichi. Maybe it's maybe it's Native American. Bobby says it's Ludowissi. Ludowissi? I like the Italian version better. Ludowichi. Hey, well, hey, hey we're, we're short on time, my man. Any uh, anything All else right, you need to plug in here? Is we gotta we gotta move since we're thirty yeah, minutes late. Just today. wrapping up on the official visit thing in the summer. Uh, the general rule of thumb is is about half the guys who take official visits South Carolina in the summer are going to end up signing with with the Gamecocks. That's generally how it's gone since these things started happening in June. And uh, I, I I think I need to go back and look at last year, but I, I think. It was pretty close. I mean, it's not always right at 50%. It could be a little lower, a little higher, but uh, that's just something for folks to consider as these uh, official visit lists continue to grow as you can probably bet on somewhere in that 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 50% range is, is the number that South Carolina will, will end up with out of those, those guys. Well, we all know who will be covering it. You. Our mm. Hall of Famer from the 1980s Atlanta Braves, the best-looking Brave of them all, Hail Dale Murphy. Hail Dale Murphy. Hail Dale. Hail Dale Murphy McGranahan. Hey, I'm the little Vici and see Hail Dale. Call him up right now on the front page, by the way, uh, from his uh, from the press conference with Sean Elliott. I would suggest you go check it out, and I would also suggest you be a member to the Big Spur if you're not in BigSpur.com. Thanks, Hale. All right, boys. Appreciate y'all. You're the man. Hey, thanks for joining us late, by the way. We really appreciate you. Yeah, thanks, Hale. Anytime. No problem. Thank yes, you. Sir. There you go. 
Oh, there you go. We got another. That's right. Owen Hale Dale Murphy McGranahan. That's that's what we'll that's what we'll go with. Ludoichi. Right. So we got to hit our uh, final timeout. We'll do that and uh, give you the latest on uh, the Gamecocks position in bracketology and uh, touch on some national college football news here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the Barndoco. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And Chicken Cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864 864- 414-5271 Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go game cops. Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Gamecocks. Cool Joe here. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. 
Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget, Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well, and they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online, nanasporch.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O, signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. For chicken cock, we get a medium to medium plus toast, the char level. We use a number three level char. If you char it too deep, you start burning away some of those flavor components that you just created. If you just char a barrel and you don't toast it, you're going to create some of those flavors just on a thin layer just inside the char, but not the actual depth and full extent of flavors uh, that you're going to get if you toast it properly. All those elements, that's exactly what they do. They boil down to great flavor. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. Go Gamecocks. This break is presented by Billy G's Carolina Barbecue, the state newspaper's 2023 winner for best catering, best barbecue, and best food truck. Visit BillyG'sCarolinaBarbecue.com for all of your catering needs. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. Foul, nothing called, drive, bounces down low, shot, is right. will drive, kick in the corner, Cooper for three, it's up, Michi from 30 feet, got it, a dominating performance at home by South Carolina, they don't just beat Kentucky, they punch Kentucky in the mouth tonight, folks, and the number 16 in the nation will go down, and they will go down hard. Gamecocks looking to get back to that. Tough week last week for Carolina basketball as they turn the corner to the last five games of the regular season. And into March Madness, they are safely, safely still in the tournament, but clearly want to bounce back and get things back on track. Welcome back. Final segment here on this uh, just beautiful, beautiful Tuesday afternoon, February the 20th. We are Mose, we are working our way quickly uh, into March and uh, can't wait to get there to see what both the men and the women do with uh, Gamecock basketball. Live from the Sinorama studios inside the Gamecocks, uh, the show came on the air a little bit late today, about 1130 following the Sean Elliott press conference. Um, so we do apologize for that. But um, we'll be back on tomorrow, of course, at uh, at 11 a.m. on time. As far as the bracketology goes, the latest from Joe Lenardi uh, here on uh, Wednesday. It's fresh as of just a couple of hours ago. Carolina has slipped to a seven seed, and that would put them in the Los Angeles side of the bracket. But they would open in Omaha, a place that the University of South Carolina knows a little bit about especially because of baseball. Uh, they would be in a 7-10 matchup with J.C.'s favorite club, New Mexico. Uh, and then were, uh, were they to get through that, they would have a matchup with more than likely number two, Kansas. <laughs> uh, but Kansas has struggled on the road this year, and it's uh, February 20th, so none of that really matters a whole lot right now. Uh, for what it's worth, 
there there would be just this wild chance, this wild chance that let's just say all this actually played out. Let's have some fun with it for a second. If Carolina were to win and they had a seven, remember they were a seven seed in 2017 and they took down second seed Duke. And if they were to win that and then they got to the sweet 16, there's a chance that they could face either third seeded Duke or 14th seeded College of Charleston. Huh. Very unlikely any of this would happen, but it's just neat to see the bracket kind of rolled out. Uh, the Cougs would be up in Pittsburgh based on what Lenardi says here. And an FYI, Clemson would be in Spokane, Washington in the uh, Los Angeles bracket as well. So the Tigers, the Cougs, and the Gamecocks all on the same side. There will be an opportunity for Clemson to care. Wouldn't that be something, guys? Think about that for a second. Oh, okay, we beat New Mexico. Shoot, we beat Kansas. Shoot, we beat College of Charleston. Oh, my gosh, we've got to play Clemson. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That'd be, wouldn't that be something? Yeah, that would, yeah. Brad? That would Actually, JC, the way that would set up is it would be Clemson versus South Carolina for a chance at the Final Four. Would that be in the, in the West bracket? Yeah. So in Los Angeles, California? It'd be in, it'd be in L.A. You think their plane's yeah. going from – South Carolina and Los Angeles. Uh, help each other across all the homeless encampments and yeah. get yeah. to the Staples Center or it used to yeah. be the Staples Center. Well, I, they, they they might clean it up if we tell them that the uh, Chinese president is coming with them, but who knows? <laughs> That's San Francisco. <laughs> anyway, no, I got you. But no, uh, it's always been my dream to have like in football, two Southern schools meet at a weird places. Yeah. Um, I always dreamed of they had football in Minneapolis and Auburn and Bama met for the playoff title, have it in Minneapolis and, and those freaking people in their RVs going up, Paul, I'm stuck in the snow, my roll tide. So this would be a close second, Clemson, South Carolina, Los Angeles, California, uh, right there. It's not in Inglewood anymore, but guess, guess Eldon Campbell, former Clemson greats from Inglewood, California. Um, so there is some history and some ties there, but, uh, oh, that would be, yeah, that would be very interesting because the basketball rivalry, it's, it's a rivalry, but man, you you may as well have Georgia and Georgia, Georgia, Georgia Georgia tech playing for, this is what makes it a rivalry though. Like this is, this is the stuff that elevates it. Like Duke and North Carolina, I don't think I've ever played each other in the NCAA tournament. But how many times have they faced off in the ACC championship game? So they played. They played the Final Four two years ago. Remember, Eric, your boy. That's how right. can you that, not that remember? Was, this? That was the one. That was the first one. And it had and, and Eric. There's a major Eric Church storyline. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, but no, that, yeah. no, you're right. That's the yeah. only time. That's the only time they've ever played. That's it. Yeah. And 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 they're ten oh, minutes from each other. But yeah. you're right, JB. It, it's, it, that, this is how it becomes a bigger rivalry. Is like that, you know. I guess it would be sort of similar to Florida and Florida State playing, which they almost did a couple of years ago. But I think like Florida State got it. The, the committee does have a sense of humor. It also seems to me. I think Texas played Texas A and M in basketball in the NCAA tournament not too long ago, uh, unless one of them got upset because one was a three and one. I think AM was a six and Texas was a three. Phil, maybe you can look that up and see if Texas takes late. Because I, I think one year one got knocked out and it didn't happen in another year. It actually did. But uh, yeah, man, I mean, look, I'm all for that. 
Um, I was kind of hopeful it would be Carolina as a three seed and Clemson as a six or, or, or vice versa, but still could be. I don't think Clemson's going to quite get to a three and Gamecocks uh, have five quad one opportunities left. Yeah, yeah. This this break, they can get to a two. Perfect timing. Perfect. Oh timing yeah, they, they, they win these last. They win all five. They're going to be a two or a one. Yeah, they and, and they're going to win the SEC most likely. I mean, I, I think right now, clearly they can still win the league, but I mean, I get it. The fans don't really want any part of that conversation at this point in time, and I understand that. It's it's more along the lines of just get right. I think what's really, really unique right now is can they get a top four seed in the SEC tournament so they can get that double bye? Yeah. Um and um and and clearly they're 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 at this point in time. Now, if you lose all five games that are left on the schedule, getting into the NCAA tournament is gonna be ooh, ooh. um you're gonna I, need, I, yeah, you yeah. might have to win a couple games in the SEC uh, tournament if you're gonna that do that. That goes without saying, doesn't it? Yeah, I agree. Yep. Yeah, let's, you know, not, I, I do. let's not let our hopes and dreams rely on that yeah. tournament there. Let's get in there without having to compete there. I, I think I, it, it's really important to win one of these next two on the road. Really important. Oh, for sure. It's been yeah. twenty since twenty fifteen. Since the Gamecocks have won more than one SEC tournament game, uh, shoot, I don't know. I I thought it was the year after. Am I wrong? Was it? Is it 2015? 16, they got bounced in the first round by Georgia. 17, they uh, got bounced yeah. by Bama. That's 18, right. they right. won right. the opener. They beat Ole Miss or somebody, and they got bounced. Yep. I think, I think they've lost to the first round out of the tournament. I think they've lost to the. You know, Frank didn't get past day one. Of course, in 2020, they didn't play, but they didn't didn't make it. They never made it. They made it to Saturday once, I think. No, maybe maybe not even ever to Saturday under Frank. And, you know, Carolina, say what you want about Odom and Fogler, they kind of had a knack. They'd get in there sometimes and win some games and get to Saturday. But, uh, look, it'd be nice to to reverse the trend at the SEC tournament this year. I think Carolina's a tough out in the tournament with their style of play. Uh, It just depends on the matchups and who you're playing. But I do think that, um, you know, there's that opportunity too. Let, let's say they maybe slip and go two and three or one and four down the stretch. Uh, you, you still have that opportunity to get another quad couple wins you know, sh- and shore it up. I don't see them getting left out unless they lose every single game and then and the metrics go bad on them. Um, and even at that, maybe you're looking at Dayton, you know, sneaking in. But, uh, uh, I think if what they say is true and every game counts the same, every game counts the same. So you, you don't look at trends, although you know they, they do. All they, <laughs> yeah, you know they do. You know, so well, and I think that's one of the great things about this break. Right? Like sometimes, especially in baseball and basketball, because you play so many games, it's when you're on a heater. You hate to have you hate to have some time off. I mean, you just you just want to you want to roll the ball back out there and let's keep playing. And but then you know sometimes you you. You run into a roadblock, and you don't have enough time really to kind of clear the clear the brain and get some things, some kinks worked out. You got to get back out there, kind of work it out in the middle of playing really good teams and all those type things. They obviously are in a little bit of a funk. I, I think, by the way, and this is going to sound awful, and somebody's going to take this the wrong way and tell me that I'm a you know what, and that's fine. I think the emergence of Colin Colin Murray Boyles has thrown some of the chemistry off, and they have to figure out how to readjust to that because they're they're he's fantastic, 
I mean, this cat is the dude, but they're relying a lot on him cleaning some stuff up. They're just settling for a bunch of bad shots, and that's not their offense. So I think Coach Paris has kind of got to get him in there and get him. Look, the stats will take care of themselves. Colin's going to do what Colin's going to do. We have to play our brand of basketball, and I think that'll start to straighten some things out for this team. I really do believe that. Um, and based on some conversations I had, I, I think that's a little bit of the issue. So we'll see. Um, but I think they need to win. It's good to get six days off before they have to hit the road and play again. Yeah, it's a good timing on that too. Just you know, take take a breath, reset, and then yeah, get back at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I yeah, think I, I, and you hit a wall. So I mean, you know, college basketball teams, players hit walls in February. Mm -hmm. uh, it happens. Um, it's not an undefeated sport. You don't always go through every stretch of the season playing at a high level and winning. Uh, you know, I, I could, I, th I think Carolina's probably kind of been, I could argue they kind of were playing with fire against Ole Miss and Vandy there for a while and were, you know, won those two games. And then Auburn happened. And of course, this weekend happened. But, uh, you know, look, th there's nothing that they can't handle. Uh, A&M, Ole Miss, they're good teams. They're not as accomplished as Carolina is this year. Uh, they're talented. They could easily win, but Carolina could also go easily beat both of those on the road. And if you win both of those on the road, fellas, I mean, oh, yeah, you're, 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 you're sitting there at, at what? Um, you're good. You're, you're 11 and four with two home games in Mississippi State to go. Yeah, and uh, you're right. You're right in the hunt with two home games. So, uh, I think uh, I think even at one and one, you're coming out of there feeling pretty happy. Yeah, absolutely. You, you want to win one of these next two. You, there's yeah. just there's just there's no no question. Real quick here on the national stage, uh, boy, Missouri is just they just can't get right. Uh, and now they got fifth ranked balls walking in tonight. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, that's 7 o'clock on the SEC Network. Top-ranked UConn on the road in Omaha at Creighton. Careful, UConn. They look like the best team in college basketball. Two-and-a-half-point favorites uh, at the CHI Health Center in Omaha. 11th-ranked Baylor on the road at 25th-ranked uh, BYU. 19th-ranked San Diego State on the road at Utah State. These are all games at absolutely the higher-ranked squad. Uh, can lose probably with the exception of Tennessee and Missouri, but we've seen crazier things this year, as you all well know. Uh, and then also in the SEC tonight, Arkansas is at Texas A&M. It'd probably go a long way for Texas A&M to not lose this ball game uh, because they would like to be in the postseason, and it's going to start to get a little dicey if they drop a home one to Arkansas, considering they are firmly on the bubble as one of the last four buys in college basketball right yeah, that's uh, uh Ole Miss is one of the last four in too. So that they, they, they Ole Miss plays Mississippi State this weekend, but that's that's gonna be interesting. That at UConn, I tell you, they're a very good. They're really dumb. Good. I mean, it's them yeah. and everybody else right now. So we'll see what no happens. Get the game cuts. You don't really want to get matched up across from those guys, but uh, yeah. we'll see what happens and um and all that. And uh, speaking of Missouri, those of you that love to talk about athletic directors. Uh, their AD walked out the door and went to Arizona at, at, at high times in Columbia, Missouri. So, number one, I think many of you overrate the role of an athletic director with uh, your constant complaining about Coach Tanner. And number two, 
she left because of interference from a board of curators. Mm. So, uh, you know, tell me who you're going to go get. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, I, I know. you know, everybody, everybody's like, well, she should come back here. You yeah. think she'd come within 10 miles yeah. of this place? As, as it currently stands, that's gotten a little better. But anyway, I just wanted to point that out for those mm. of you that want to blame the athletic director every time a team loses a game. That's on a coach, not an AD. Uh, and, and, and you know, the, the the goddess of athletic directors that everybody wants to worship and thinks the answer to every problem around here just walled out the door because of a uh, ding, 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 political interference. Uh, there's a Maybe people should become familiar with. But anyway, just wanted to talk about that and uh, point that out to everybody that Mizzou's leader, and she's a good one, Desiree's mm-hmm. Francois is really good, but uh, heading to Arizona to dig them out of a big mess. Uh, more on this tomorrow, but today the college football playoff board of managers unanimously approved a model that guarantees the five highest ranked conference champions inclusion in the expanded 12 team playoff alongside the next seven highest ranked teams. We'll get into that tomorrow and much, much more. Uh, Matt will be with us tomorrow as well. And maybe Chad Holbrook. I've got to clear that up. We're going to get Kip Bought night sometime this week. Derek's and Mike Morgan. Thanks so much to Helma Granahan for joining us earlier. Thanks to all of you always for joining Inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Sinorama Studios. Remember, and a reminder, Carolina baseball this year by Resto Pros of the Midlands. Resto Pros MidlandsSC.com for fire, water, smoke, mold, damage. For JC and Phil, I'm JB. We'll see you tomorrow at 11.